Hello and welcome to episode 41 of the Random Tale Podcast. I'm Jason. And I'm Jose. And today's episode is The Bird's the Word, because we'll be sharing impressions of Toki Tori 2 later in the show, the new uh, puzzle platformer on the Wii U eShop. But before we get to that, I was proud of myself last week, or last episode, because I said, because I didn't say we have a lot of big news, or big amount of news, or whatever, but this time we do, and I have to say it as much as I hate repeating it every episode, but we have a lot of news to cover. Nintendo had a major Nintendo Direct about 3DS and Wii U. Then on top of that, there were some major third-party announcements, and there was the Idea Me indie conference of sorts in Madrid, Spain last week, which means we also have some new indie game news. So we're going to run through all that news, take a look at Wii U and 3DS sales numbers from NPD and Nintendo's own eShop tracking, and then talk Toki Tori 2, so there's a lot. Uh, real quick, if there's anything you want to jump to in, in particular, because it is a big episode, we do have timestamps on the blog post, as always, and you can very easily go there, see what interests you, go that part of the show, or you can listen to it in its entirety, which we would appreciate, but not require. So, uh, with that said, let's jump in with Nintendo Direct. That just happened the other day. Definitely the biggest news of the past two weeks, I'd say. Yeah, there is always something to look forward to. Yeah. Yeah, it's amazing how I really thought they were going to run out of things to announce, but they keep announcing things. Like, how many things can they announce before they run out of things to announce? It's kind of ridiculous. Well, it's just Nintendo. Yeah. But, yeah. So, they held a uh, new Direct uh, this past Wednesday, which was, what, like, April... I don't even know. April 17th, I guess. And in that uh, Direct, they mainly focused on the 3DS, but they did also talk about the Wii U. So, since they mainly focused on the 3DS, it only makes sense for us to start with the 3DS. So, by far the biggest story out of the Nintendo Direct involving the 3DS, or in general, was the announcement of a new Zelda game that they made at the very end of the broadcast. So, it's a brand new Zelda game. It's coming to 3DS this holiday season. It's going to be set in the world of A Link to the Past, and it's going to feature the same top-down gameplay, so the same 2D Zelda gameplay style. However, it does have a couple significant changes. There's a major uh, visual overhaul. Everything's 3D renders, no sprites. Uh, They're also focusing on the multiple layers and levels of the dungeons in the world. They were in A Link to the Past, like, you know, you'd walk under something and there'd be, like, chain-link fence kind of obscuring your view of Link or whatever. But now they're really playing that up with the 3D effect. So, it actually fits quite well. So, it's like if Link is on one level of a dungeon, he can jump on a special little, like, springy pad thing and go up to another level, which means he jumps towards you up, like, out of the screen. And then, well, not out of the screen, but, you know, towards well, yeah. the screen. And then suddenly there's a new level there that, like, fades into place and then he lands on that. And in the in the video they showed, there's three or four levels in this dungeon and he keeps, like, climbing. So, that's a major new um, mechanic of the game. And uh, they're also introducing another mechanic that turns Link into a flat drawing on a wall, or as IGN coined it. Well, we... Jose coined it first, when we were talking about it when it first when the news first broke, but then IGN publicly coined it, so we have to give them credit, but you can say your pun. Link turns into a... Hieroglyphic. He's a hieroglyphic in Hyrule. Yeah. A Hyrule glyphic. Yeah. High five. Yeah. Yeah. To me, two minutes to come up with that. <laughs> Yeah, but anyway, so he turns into this into this two D drawing, and what what that means is he can now um, go along walls and along floors and along ceilings, hypothetically. So he part of the, part of the puzzles in the dungeons now are not just like how do I get from here to there, but how do I get from here to there utilizing this wall or that platform or that moving target or squeeze between these bars on a jail cell window or whatever. And apparently you're going to be able to do this both in dungeons and in the overworld. So the overworld, while it is a link to the past overworld, they are going to allow for uh, new mechanics. And obviously that means new setup 
setups within the overworld for yeah, this mechanic I mean, to make sense. Assuming, I'm not going to assume yet, but if you could activate this ability anywhere, there's going to be like hidden, hidden secrets everywhere. It's going to be one of those like, oh my god, did I use my hieroglyphic ability here? Oh, yeah. It's going to yeah, and I mean, and what's really interesting about the 2D view to me is it's not just like, oh, he can go along a wall, but the perspective changes from top down to side to side scrolling almost. So like, you literally will see things you can't see. You will see a connection between two platforms that isn't there normally because you can't see it from above. Like, it literally changes your perspective. Yeah, they're literally. It switches from a Super 2D Paper Zelda Mario, to right? a 3D Zelda practically. Yeah. So it's Super Paper Mario. Yeah, it's like Super Paper Mario, and it's definitely there's no doubt this is gonna be huge too the whole puzzle-solving mechanic of the game, and probably to the story in some way. But beyond that, we don't know a whole lot more. The trailer did display an overworld that, like we kind of just said, does match the original Link to the Past. As many people have shown in the videos. Yeah, literally, you can match up screenshots. And um, there's also the return... The trailer showed the return of some familiar items. You have the bow and arrow again. The sword beam is back if you have full hearts. Um, there's also a mallet, which I don't know if it's new or not. I mean, it's no, new no. in this sense, but he's had... Yeah, he, no, yeah, he's had man. Those little happy face things yeah. were in the original. Oh, okay. Into the past also. Okay, that's right. They were, huh? Yeah. I but don't yeah, think so, there was a giant one that shot you. No. Up, but. Yeah, but yes, yeah, so there's a mallet that when you hit these happy face cushions looking things, you hit them and then you stand on it and it launches you in the air, and that's how you go between levels between the different 3D planes, yeah. so to speak. And uh, the press seems pretty. They showed it off after Nintendo Direct. Nintendo had a big press event for the press. That's redundant. And they uh, they showed off the game, and there were some impressions that came out. And the general consensus is it's really good. It's really fun, at least the demo. And it's much more fast-paced than a typical top-down Zelda. It has a lot more platformer Yeah, top-down Zeldas were pretty slow. Yeah, this is apparently a lot quicker. Like, you're moving a lot faster, and there's a lot more platforming. Like, literally, there's things where you have to, like... You're on a moving platform. They show us in at the trailer. At least on the demo, because, I mean, yeah. in the demo, they kind of have to... Throw as much stuff at you as well, yeah. possible to get you... Like, yeah, but that's like, usually indicative of how the game will be, I'm, in a way. Colonial Marines? Well, that hasn't kept... <laughs> you're comparing Nintendo Gearbox, really? <laughs> I, mean, yeah. I know. You said in general. Yeah, well, I meant from Nintendo. Oh. Like, they don't usually do, like, okay. fake, You know, they don't do, like, fake-outs, really. Oh, yeah, well, but, um, we're talking about Nintendo, yeah, we can't really see it. Yeah, but... Like, there's an example, I think Adam Sessler is giving him his impressions, where, you know, you're on a moving platform, and they showed it in the trailer. You're on a moving platform, the platform's coming to a barricade. You have to very quickly go into hy- hieroglyphic mode, go around the barricade, and jump back on the platform all the platform scrolls. Which is pretty much like a Mario mechanic right there. Like, how many do that that fast? Yeah. So that's kind of nice and different. Because instead of jumping over the barricade, you just... Yeah, you not just it. walk along it, but you have to do it, you know, yeah. just as quickly. And uh, Nintendo's Bill Trennan, who runs the localization team, or is a major part of it, uh, also confirmed that the game will, in fact, take place after A Link to the Past. And it has an original story that does connect to the first game pretty directly. So in Japan, they're actually calling the game A Link to the Past 2, but they haven't settled on a name yet for North America. He said technically it's a sequel, but they don't know if they want to call it a sequel or like do some, something else. Because if you notice, no, with the exception of the second Zelda game ever, Ventures of Link, no Zelda game has a number in it. There's no like direct sequel with a number like that. Like uh, Phantom Hourglass, Spirit Track, those two are directly oh. tied together. Spirit Tracks, Phantom Hourglass, and Wind Waker are very directly tied together, but none of them have a name shared or a oh. number. So whatever the case, this game definitely has a Link to the Past game. No matter ha, what. Ha ha! Yes, it does. A Link to the Past 2, Links to the Past of Zelda. Yes. Yep. Well done. Uh, also, interesting in my mind about this whole announcement, actually. Like, I'm really excited for it. If you haven't downloaded the eShop trailer, 
uh, they released a full 3D trailer download, so it's high quality and not like all pixelated and low stream bitrate. You should go download it because it looks ridiculously cool. Like I watched it, and I was super hyped. Like I'm, I'm usually like Zelda games, like oh yeah, I'm, I'm excited for it. But this, I was like, I need to play this now. Like the tra- the trailer actually gives a really like back to the basics kind of kind of reminds me. I mean, it's linked to the past, not the original Zelda, but kind of feels like almost a new Super Mario Brothers type of like scaling back to what it was. The graphics are kind of that same sort of like overly rounded but polished oh. like look you know what i mean yeah but that was good for the first super mario yeah new super mario brothers but then yeah. after they kept using it over and over again it started to lose its oh yeah yeah i I'm, I'm not i'm not saying it's a bad oh. thing i'm just saying it's interesting that it has kind of that same i like how that's the new the link looks yeah link looks good i, I mean like he him. looks like a really old school link but... they dropped the pink hair oh yeah. which is unfortunate <laughs> but you know one thing interesting about this whole announcement is that they kind of alluded to this for like two years when the 3DS was first coming out and after it came out, I don't remember if it was Miyamoto or Anuma, who's the Zelda series producer uh, at the main Zelda team, but one of them was saying, like, oh, the 3D would be so cool. And like, I think they were talking about 3D classics at the time, you know, the spin-off. Yeah. Yeah, he was saying, That's oh, right. it'd be so cool if, like, uh, we had a link to the past and we used the layering in the dungeons and made it 3D. And then um, there's some maybe other that's things. How it started, and then yeah. like, hey, you know what? Let's just make it open. Yeah, game. it's kind of like Wind Waker, where Wind Waker HD, where they were like, "Hey, let's see what graphic style looks best in HD." And then when they saw Wind Waker in HD, they're like, "Let's just do this." Like it's kind of yeah. same idea. Plus, I mean, Miyamoto like literally. Too asked, bad that logic didn't carry over to Donkey Kong Country Returns. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> but uh, unfortunate or not unfortunate. It's also interesting because Miyamoto at one point, I think it was IGN, specifically asked, "Would you be more interested in seeing Majora's Mask 2 or A Link to the Past 2? So clearly, they've been thinking about this for yeah. a while. Because, ha- I mean, it's been 20 years or so since the game came out. More. So it's kind of odd that... Wait, has it been more? No, it's been about no, 20 years. Really. A little less. Maybe like... Yeah, definitely Maybe 19. Less. Maybe 19 or 18. I mean, the game was out after we were fired, so... I mean, N64 came out in 96. That's 17 years ago. So oh. it can't... It's like 18, 19, 20 years yeah. ago. But, so they, uh, they... I wonder how long Mimo's had these plot ideas, or if Anuma came to him with new ideas or what. Because Anuma didn't join until uh, the N64 games. But either way, very cool game. It's gonna be out this, or at least based. It sounds like it will be very cool. It'll be out this holiday. So that's, that's the big flagship 3DS title no, for the holidays. Two Zelda games. Two Zelda games in one year. Yeah, it's like Mario all over again last year, except this time not quite the same r- rinse and repeat mm-hmm. as Mario U and Mario Two. They, they, they caught my interest. I'll say sorry. sorry. You sorry. said that as if it was a pun, but it's pretty straightforward. No, no, no. They, they caught. <laughs> I'm not that big on the. Top down right, Zelda right. game, so I'm like, oh, no, I'm, I'm super excited. I'm not that big on them either. I liked Oracle of Seasons, I liked Four Swords, A Link to the Past. I played and enjoyed, but I wasn't like hooked into oh. it like I was, like I was with like Wind Waker. Yeah, Minish Cap was the only one I really enjoyed from top. Down. I still need to play that. Oh, it's yeah. a good game. And I have it in Bastard Game. I don't know why I haven't played it on my 3DS. Anyway, that wasn't the only game they announced at Nintendo Direct. Uh, along with Zelda, Nintendo confirmed two more 3DS games. One of them is a brand new Mario Party, which will also be coming out this holiday season. And this Mario Party, every Mario Party these days has some sort of hook or gimmick. So, you know, going back to the ones with the microphones, right? Remember that? Uh, they had the sound, they had the speech. Then the Wii one, obviously, was the motion control. And then uh, Mario Party 9, a couple years ago, was the whole hook was, we're changing up the formula. Well, this one seems to be going back to the formula a bit. But with the new Mario Party for 3DS, uh, the big hook is it's seven different game boards. Each of which will have its own rule set that will dynamic that will greatly change how you interact with other players and play through the game. 
uh, during the Nintendo Direct, well, I guess... This is not that yeah. new, though, because no, th- there have been other Mario parties where have different games. Yeah, but this like, is what they're hyping as, like, the whole... Because, like, I don't remember which one it was, but there was one where the whole object of the board game was to buy these houses, and yep. if someone outbids you, then they get that house. Yeah, no, they've and done this, another one they've done this before. Like, chain yeah. They have to chase each other. Yeah, so. that's what I'm saying. It's, like, the apparent new hook. Oh. Is that there's seven game boards, uh, each of which has got its own rule set, like I said. So there's some examples that uh, Iwata gave during the Nintendo Direct. He specifically called out a board that puts a heavy... See, this just sounds silly, because this is stuff they've done before. There's a board where you have to use items to win. Gee, that sounds familiar. There's also a board where you have to collect boosts, and the more boosts you get... It's in space. And the more boosters you get on your vehicle, you're flying in space, the more your yeah, dice looks, multiplier yeah, is. Yeah, like a race. Yeah, it's like a we racing can. thing, so that could be interesting. Yeah. And then there's another one where um, the board is risk versus reward, where you're walking down a path, at least a good chunk of it, is you're walking down paths uh, with bullet bills that will fire at if the, the die lands, if the dice lands on a bullet bill icon. So you can choose the risk of do you stay going down the path but get hit, or do you tr- choose the safety of stepping back from the path but losing the turn, essentially. Because you can't go forward if you're stuck in a cave that's, you know, protected. So that's the new hook. Is all these different mechanics. I don't know. Another thing that uh, I've said that's probably worth mentioning is that the game's being tuned for portable play. Because Mario Party can take a long time to play. Like, it's usually about an hour, I'd say. For, like, a decent game. So he's saying that, like, different boards will be quick or have, you know, different specifications. So the whole, like, seven boards with different rules, these rules, some of them will make it easy to play. It's like Monopoly's playing 20 minutes. Yeah, exactly. Game. And, I mean, he also showed, they also showed footage of what looked like some sort of mini-game competition that didn't involve a board, kind of like all the other games, all the other Mario Parties have. But uh, beyond just the board, naturally, since it is Mario Party, there's going to be 81 new mini-games, or, well, so-called new mini-games. A lot of them look familiar. Yeah, one of them a was... A lot one, of them. One of them was, like, definitely... One of them's Bumper Balls yeah, from bumper the first balls one. Yeah, Bumper Balls Yeah, yeah it's like... So, there's 81 mini-games, I guess I should say. And uh, they're also going to include new puzzle modes and some AR, augmented reality-based stuff. Now, the AR kind of, thing... That's kind of interesting. Yeah, yeah, the AR thing looked kind of interesting. It looked kind of like Tetris Axis's yeah. AR. And the puzzles look kind of interesting, because they look like they're just little puzzle games included. Those actually look kind of fun, but yeah. I can imagine the AR things, if they're incorporated into the board game, there would be like an optional space, just like the microphone. Yo, they have to turn be. them on or off. Yeah, they have to be, because if you're like sitting on a train, you can't just be like, well, let me do some AR on the ceiling here. Like, it doesn't work. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's like Nintendo, like, I guess I feel like they kind of have, well, not they have to, but... No, no, Mario parties, I guess, make money. Yeah, they that's why they're money, doing So it. they have to release every once in a while. I don't know why it's not on Wii U. This makes sense for Wii U, but... Well, I guess because I guess they'll come out with Mario more Wii U in the future. Stuff like that. Yeah. But, I mean, I don't know. I guess there's only so much we could do, but... I guess for us people that feel like we kind of have to get all of them. Yeah. But we definitely don't. I've skipped a bunch, but I yeah. feel like I... Here's, well, two things. I think I only skipped five, which I eventually I got. skipped five, six, seven, eight. <laughs> They're fun to go back to. Yeah, I still love Mario Party 2 to this day. It's my favorite in the series. But a couple things that are kind of interesting, or the potential for this. One, uh, it's actually going to use a lot of the 3DS functionality. So it's not not just going to be buttons, and it's not just going to be stylus. It's also going to have gyro. It's going to be a mix of all three. Yeah, so if they really... Yep, so if they really, like, can do creative things with all three combos, or weird combos like gyro and touchscreen. Like, imagine if you have to, like, be perfectly still while sketching something... And obviously you can't stay 100% still, so it's like rating how shaky you are. Like, that could be kind of interesting. But the thing that I really think it has potential for, and this is what would get me excited about the game, is they're at the point where if you have a portable Mario Party, online seems like the logical thing. Because not, you're not going to get four friends together with all their separate 3DSs, 
on a whim and be like, let's play Mario Party. Well, like you would around a console. Because portable assumes you're out of your home or outside of a Wi-Fi spot. Well, but Nintendo puts such a big emphasis on Nintendo zones being everywhere. Every Starbucks, all the Westfield malls around the country. Oh, yeah. uh, I guess... Airports. Right. So... But even Hopefully just not so, not so much that, but just like when you say let's play Mario Party, we just you you know everyone's at your house and you're just like let's play Mario Party and you just hand out controllers. You can't just Nintendo lives in a world where they wish you could just be like let's play Mario Party and everyone whips out a 3ds. But I mean, out of our friends, the ones we hang out with regularly, the third own 3ds's maybe. Yeah, basically only us and my brother. Yeah, well, and no, there's a few others, but no. um, we don't play with them often enough. Exactly. <laughs> But yeah, so it's like, if they did online, that'd be cool because it's like, oh, well, I want to play Mario Party with Jose. Jose might not be in the room with me, but I can make that happen. While I can't, if... Hopefully let's you play know with I mean? random people. These kind of mini games are always really fun with playing random people. Yeah. Yeah, and plus, this or could be the... which is part of the fun. Exactly. And this could be the shake-up the series needs, because everyone's wanted online for so long. That's just like, to be able to play anytime with real people and not computers that yeah. suck. Like, honestly, I was okay with... Not having the online in the previous time, just yeah. like I always, there was never a problem with having. And it was a Wii people. version, so it's like it's yeah, a social yeah, system. That's like, there was never yeah. a problem like having enough people to play it. But now, I kind of want something really different from a Mario Party. Yeah, and that's so we'll it. see. They, Nintendo could play it safe and not do that, which wouldn't surprise me. I mean, the control options are potentially interesting. Yeah, it might bust the Mario Party eight and nine where like some of these things won't work. Like it's gonna try all these new 3ds features, and some will work and some won't. Because Mario Party eight like. Really heavy on the motion controls, and then Mario Party Nine barely had. They any stripped out all the bad was, ones and left what what worked. Yeah, which was basically <laughs> gyro. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, so that's Mario Party. Um, the third 3DS title that Nintendo announced is another revisiting of an old franchise, and that is a brand new Yoshi's Island. It retains the whole crayon chalkboard look, which is something that's really great about both the original and the DS game. But uh, it's got to replace the sprites with uh, 3D renders, kind of once again like New Super Mario Brothers. I'm noticing a pattern. Uh, Nintendo didn't reveal much about the game at all. We don't even know the name. But uh, they did show some gameplay that indicates, you know, you have all the standard Yoshi's Island gameplay, so there's yeah. there's flutter jumps. I mean, they even called Which these out by good, name. Which is good, but yeah. it's also like... It's, I mean, so far it looked exactly... The, I mean, with yeah. exception It looked more the same than Yoshi's Island DS in my Yoshi's mind. DS was pretty different, just because it had all the yeah, different Yeah, it had all the different days with work. different mechanics, yeah. Yeah, but this one, like... I mean, as much as I wanted the Yoshi's Island game, yeah. if it looked, I mean, if it's going to be the exact same game, yeah. I'm not well, like it won't be. Yeah, and the giant they... egg at the end either. Just yeah, like, that's that's what's interesting. That showed... kind of turned me off a little. I don't know. That's kind of like the Mega Mushroom in New Super Mario Exactly. Oh, touche. It made it way too easy. Yeah, but yeah, so just to, for people that may not have seen the trailer, so what they showed, uh, it, like we were saying, everything, it looks the same. You have Flutter Dunks, you have Ground Pounds, you have Eggs Drawing, you have Baby Mario on the back, everything. But then they also show. Will still be the same? We don't know yet. Hopefully not. That's so annoying. <laughs> but uh, they also are promising new gameplay that's going to utilize the 3DS, and this is where the egg may come in. He was saying it as they showed a giant egg thrown into the level and destroying everything. Like Mega the Mushroom. Mega Mushroom. Yeah, yeah, exactly like the Mega Mushroom. But I want to say it's going to utilize 3DS functions, and the egg was bouncing back and forth. So I wonder if like destroying I wonder if the egg was being controlled by Gyro. I wonder if it's different from the Mega Mushroom. It's no, not just total there... chaos, and it's like you're almost in like a pinball course. And it only and the egg only appears because notice the egg came out of a special jumbo block. They could set the jumbo block only at a certain part in the course, and then you go into basically an egg maze of sort. Not a maze, but like an egg special egg obstacle course or something. And it looked like it was bouncing just like all the other ones, just like at those right angles. But yeah, yeah, I guess. I mean, unless you just have to aim it right. Maybe I'm just trying to envision cool new things. Oh. I guess, but. But yeah, more to the point. That would be cool, but yeah. knowing Nintendo, it's probably just going to be 
Just well, maybe to clear out well, room. The good news is they have plenty of time to figure it out because it's not out till 2014, most likely. They right. didn't announce any date, which means if they already announced two holiday games, Zelda and Mario Party, probably not till 2014. They kind of just said it just to say, like, oh, yeah, they're just like, game. hey, here's something else. So, but you know, between another Yoshi game, exactly. Yeah, Yoshi, Yarn Yoshi, and now this, you know. Yeah. But you know, one year of green. Seriously, Luigi and Yoshi. Although, I don't think any of those Yoshi games are coming out this year. I'm pretty sure Yarn Yoshi's next, oh, next year. Actually, year of Yoshi. Yarn Yoshi, I, th- could, I could see coming in uh, October, kind of mirroring when Epic Yarn, Epic Yarn came out on the Wii. Because it's the same developer, so I can kind of, you know, repeat that success. What are all those other Wii U games that are supposed to come out? I don't know. We'll get to that. We're going to have a whole lot about that. Don't worry. But um, I do want to make an interesting observation that I noticed. Or, yeah. And that's, uh, wow, that sentence went nowhere. Let me restart. There's an interesting observation I noticed, uh, or I made when watching all this footage, and that's Nintendo seems to be completely ditching 2D sprites. I mean, okay, Mario and Luigi Dream Team, I guess, is debatable. It looks like their sprites when their sides going, they look kind of rendered when it's an isometric route. Yeah, when they're running around the town. I mean, it's kind of confusing what it is, but it, if you it, ignore it, that. Well, what I, what I assumed that was they just took the time to create like a sprite for every way that they turn. See, I don't think then, they did that. I think they're polygons. Yeah, because, I think they're polygons that they put. Instead of doing like a like a sprite poly- filter, yeah, on not, or something, because it's definitely Cause I mean, they're three D for sure in the isometric view. Well, they could just be shaded better, maybe. I mean, would you really count the Super Mario RPG sprites? Those aren't three D, and like, they look worse than the Mario and Luigi Dream Team ones in terms of three D rendering. Well, I know, but I mean, it looks like the same concept, just better art. They just yeah. did a better job of it, maybe. Well, okay, let's put that one aside. But Nintendo, for the most part, seems to be ditching sprites. I mean, Zelda. A Link to the Past 2, render. Uh, Yoshi's Island, render. Pokemon X and Y, render. New Super Mario Brothers, render. Like, what happened to sprites? Are they really abandoning them, basically? Everything's going 3D. They're moving on to a different kind of soda. It's not, yeah, I guess. It's not necessarily, like, a bad thing. I mean, sprites will always hold a special place in my heart, because I grew up playing games with sprites. Well, at least Warrior Wars still has flash animation. Yeah, (laughs) yeah, but it's not sprites. But I'm just wondering if Nintendo's, like, officially moving away from sprites or if it's just a weird trend that they're going to buck in a couple of years and do stri- sprites again. Uh, I guess it might just be faster and cheaper yeah. to do it this way. Just kind of an odd thing I noticed. But, yeah, um, I mean, it could potentially look better too. I mean, I think the... the look I, think, that, I don't think sprites would work for A Link to the Past 2 at, at all. I think the 3D had to... They had to do 3D. They would look way too layered. Like, yeah. And not only that, but, but Link, like literally when you watch the 3D trailer, which I can't stress enough, download it from the eShop. When you watch it, uh, Link's head is noticeably like closer to you than his body. Like he's like bobbling. He's like a bobblehead from above. So like they couldn't do that with a sprite. It wouldn't work. But it looked um, weird. It looked very weird. But since we since we did mention Mario and Luigi Dream Team, I guess it now's a good time to talk about it's the new features they announced for it, along with some of the other new features they announced. So um, Dream Team really is embracing that whole dream idea. First of all, this is I was right. It's so, yeah, you were right. You're 100% right. Because I originally thought it was all Luigi's dreams. Turns out it's 50-50, real-world Luigi. But uh, Nintendo's going a little crazy with the whole dream concept. So the game starts with Mario, Luigi, and Peach visiting the 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 location, the vacation location of Pillow Island. Not pillow spelled like a pillow, but it sounds like a pillow. It's spelled like some crazy way, but it's a pillow. Because they're sleeping, because it's a dream world. And all the people in the pillow island look like little weird pillow people. Like, they're all rectangular... They're, they're all, like... They're, they're all, all little... They're all coin block people. They're the same people that came out in, um... Well, I would assume they're the same species of people 
from Marvel, Bowser's Inside Story, the guy that had like a giant mustache. He was a block. Oh yeah. All, he's there. But these guys, they look like you can't deny that they kind of look like they could be pillows. Oh. I guess. Like it's probably the same. Thing. Well, I mean, well, I mean, when I saw the mindset, he thought that guy, right. and then he appeared. Well, when there they a few said, yeah, like, oh. when they said Pillow Island, I was like, okay. And then I saw the Pillow people who aren't oh. Pillow people. Like these guys, they're doppelgangers of pillows. How about that? They're not actually pillows, but they fit an island called Pillow Island where where dreams are everywhere or whatever. So, yeah. So Peach gets kidnapped naturally, and she gets sent into a dream world, which sets a ball, you know, which sets the ball in motion for the whole adventure, and that's when everything starts going. So, like. You were right. The game mm-hmm. is split. Real world. No, we do the inside world. story. Yeah, essentially. So when you're in the real world and you get into the dream world, it's at predetermined spots. And there's this magical pillow on the ground. And you lay Luigi down. And then there he is on the bomb screen. And you interact with him on the bomb screen to make stuff happen on the top screen. On the top screen is Mario and, and Luigi in, in occasions doing various things in what appears to be more of a side-scrolling world. So... So how it works oh, yeah. is basically it's like it's like a dream yeah, world two D platformer. It's two D and we're outside. It's isometric. Yeah. So it's kind of like a two two D platformer again. But um, Luigi is in the dream, but not always as himself. So he's either in the environment and you're like tickling him or whatever on the bomb screen to like launch Mario off his mustache or whatever, or he's doing all sorts of weird things you can't do in real life. Like they sh- the the video they showed in the town direct, there are segments where they're like. A ton of Luigi's on screen doing a tornado across the screen, or a really kind of neat Katamari-style 3D thing where Mario's riding a ball of Luigi's going into the screen, like three, you know, cameras behind him, 3D, yeah. and he's picking up Luigi's with the ball as he goes, and the ball gets bigger. So that's kind of neat. Meanwhile, the real world is where all the RPG stuff is happening, and that's going to unfold. It sounds like like a typical Mario and Luigi. So turn-based battles. There's gonna be bro attacks. All the attacks once again are based on timing, be it button presses, or now utilizing 3D, 3DS features like gyro motion. So they showed one actually neat thing where it was a bo- uh, some sort of battle, and Mario was flying, essentially, through the air. And then well, one of them a- like, jumped and picked up like a propeller hat, and then right. the other so one was- jumped and picked up a propeller hat. So they're flying through yeah. the air. And then- well, not just by themselves. Oh, yeah, no, sorry. Yeah, that's a good point. And then uh, there's a targeting reticule that you're controlling with the gyro. So you're kind of positioning them by moving the system. So, I mean, a little gimmicky, sure, but it mixes things up a little while staying true to the, the whole battle scheme. Yeah, I'm really glad it really is sticking true to the whole, like, just having a ridiculous over-the-top plot. Yep. Having yeah, it seems as thing. crazy as ever, I honestly. mean, kind of like what I wish Super... No, not Super. Um, Paper Mario Sticker Star would have done. Mm-hmm. Like, still keep their over-the-top plots. and. Well, they had it in there a little. It was a little more subdued, but... Early, it was just Bobby Kipnas Peach. True. That's it. True, <laughs> true. But I, I guess I just... I don't even think about the I guess all the paper. The pun, I guess all the paper jokes oh. kind of factored in for me. But yeah, this one is definitely more like the crazy, crazy side of the Mario RPGs, and it's gonna be out in America on August 11th. Yet Europe is actually getting it a month before us on July 12th. So good for them. Go Europe. I mean, I know we have some European listeners, so we're jealous of you. Um, yeah, and also it more jealous Wait, of Japan. But, um, actually, yeah, are we getting um, Animal Crossing like two days around the time? No, we're getting Animal Crossing two. We're getting Animal Crossing um, June 9th. Oh, June, yeah. And then right. Europe gets... Oh, um, yeah, June, July. I confused yeah, June, July. Yeah, yeah. But, and, we, and you know, now that I think about it, we should actually be more jealous of Japan than of Europe. Because, sure, Europe may get it a month before us, but Japan's getting another limited edition 3DS XL. This time it's a white XL with silhouetted Luigi patterns all over it. It looks kind of cool. It looks a lot like the Animal Crossing one, which is kind of funny coincidence, because Nintendo, in this very direct... Wouldn't you say it looks like the Louis Vuitton bag? 
or something? Like yeah, that? a little. Yeah, kind of. Like the repeated patterns. Yeah. yeah. So that 3DS, the Animal Crossing one, in the same Nintendo Direct that in Japan they announced the Luigi one, in America they announced that we're actually getting an Animal Crossing one. So the Animal Crossing 3DS XL will be out alongside the game June 9th. And it is kind of like that polka dotted. It's white with like polka dotted Animal Crossing symbols all over it. And it's going to cost $219 when it comes out. Game will be pre installed on the cartridge. I mean, on the systems SD card. Also, speaking of price of Animal Crossing, apparently wait, 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 it's only going to be $35. That, that Luigi, just really quickly. Yeah. Nintendo tweeted a picture about it. Not in America. They yeah, for Animal America. Crossing. Not for America. Mm-mm. Yeah, they said, um, would any of you be interested in getting this 3DS here? That was not Nintendo America. Are you sure? Positive. America. Here, I'll check right now. I'm probably wrong. Most likely wrong. I'll check I... right now because I, I mean, I don't want to give misinformation. I'm like 99% sure that was not because they never just ask. But, uh, no, uh, the Animal Crossing one, one interesting thing, so the system is going to cost um, 219 and the game is actually going to be cheaper than most 3DS games. It's only going to be $35, not 40 which is more in line with the premium cost of a normal DS game. Back in the day, like Pokemon Black and White, for example, was uh, thirty four ninety five, not forty. Like most 3DS games, and it seems to be a trend. Some people are noticing that other 3DS games are also dropping in price. So, oh yeah, they did it. <laughs> yeah, I figured that makes more sense. Yeah, so uh, so it's possible that thirty four ninety five or thirty four ninety nine is going to become the new standard um, 3DS price. Possibly. I mean, Animal Crossing is doing it. So if if we start seeing like Mario and Luigi come in at that price, it's going to I think Nintendo shifting to a slightly cheaper price point. More in line with what DS games is cost. Kind of cool. Yep. Uh, but yeah, back to new game details. Enough with hardware, software, or like physical software and hardware prices. Uh, Nintendo discussed Mario Golf World Tour, which I'm super excited about. And as was suspected by I think everyone, us included, when it was first announced, the World Tour name means that there will be online, for sure. So you can either play online in real time against other people, or you can compete against scores uploaded by other players, almost like Ghost Data. And on top of that, they're going to take uh, Mario Kart 7's communities, which, by the way, are also coming to Miiverse with Wii Fit U whenever that launches, and they're going to be including that community functionality in Mario Golf World Tour in two different variations. There's either friend communities, where you can set up, you know, some, they might not be on your friends list, but you can have, pe- you can give a special code and people can join, and you have your own special little group, which means, if anyone's interested, I'd be more than happy to make one for Real Nintendo when, uh, when the game comes out, because that could be fun. Especially since it's not real-time, so we could all just have, like, a running leaderboard. Yeah. That'd be really fun. Um, so that's one. And the other one it was is... It nice competing with the people that were our friends on the Wii, the Wii U. Yeah, in for, BitTrip. For BitTrip. Yeah. No, I'm actually really... Actually, we should do this for sure. I will beat your score. We should... We should... Now that I think about it, definitely do a friend community for Mario Golf. Because you don't have to play in real time. So since everyone's in different time zones and whatnot, it could work really well. But uh, the second community they're doing is theme communities, which allow for custom rules. So you can say no special shots. You can insist everyone uses Luigi. You can only have certain courses. You know, that sort of thing. So honestly, I was already super hyped about Mario Golf because I love, Mar- like, the others. Uh, Toadstool Tour in particular. So, uh, this might be the one I break into. The yeah, so I'm this, really so. excited. Especially now that's online. It has, like, basically... Like, it has multiplayer that doesn't require you to actually be present to play. Like, that's kind of cool. Uh, one thing that's a little hesitant, that's a little, I'm a little cautious about though, is Nintendo didn't say when it's coming out, besides summer. They prefaced the announcement of the new details with, it's still a few months away, and this was right after they announced Mario and Luigi Dream Team, well, as August the, 11th. What's the fewest amount of months that you would still consider to be few? Anything. Uh, Ten? two is a few. Well, I know, yeah, a few. yeah, but, 
11 is a few in a way. No, I'd say within the next six months, which is, they said summer in the thing, but they also said it, they also said a few months right after they gave a solid date of August 11th for uh, Mario and Luigi. So that's to be July? No, my get, what well, I wanted to get this. We don't, and it would mirror, it would actually mirror Mario Golf Toadstool Tour if they did it in July. Way back in 03, Mario game. Golf came out May. Uh, Mario Golf came out July in 2003, so that would match that kind of nicely. And it's also kind of a summery month. You know, like, it makes sense. Like, that's when we Sports Resort came out, which was very summery. So it would make sense. But if they're saying a few months, I'm not giving a date right after they say August for Mario and Luigi. I have a feeling this will probably come out in September, which is technically still summer. Hmm. So Nintendo wouldn't be wrong. But I don't know. I hope it's sooner rather than later. I'd love for it to be July, but I'm not holding my breath. Too many games now. Yeah, I know. On the 3DS. I yeah, think. here's another one. We've talked about it plenty. Donkey Kong Country Returns 3D. Uh, yeah, I mean, we talked last episode that we're going to have a new mode, as they call it, with expanded health and item, additional items that make the game easier. Apparently, this is not to make it easier. Iwata claimed in the Nintendo Direct that this is for actually <laughs> to make it more portable-friendly, because the original Donkey Kong Country Returns was for long play sessions, while this one has to be like, shorter. Uh, it's to make it easy. Just admit it, Iwata. It's fine. They're including the original mode in there, so it's like, what difference does it make? You just say it's easy mode. What we The main reason I'm bringing this up Wait, is... Don't they call it simple mode? New mode. No, new mode. It's new mode and original mode. Oh. But what uh, the reason I'm bringing it up is they finally they revealed what the secret is when you beat the game. Spoilers, not really. You get nine or eight new levels in a new world nine. No. So that's the big secret. Unfortunately, not enough to make me get it. Yeah, here's the thing. If they're making new levels with the Donkey Kong Country Returns engine, why don't they just not make Donkey Kong Country Returns again and instead take the old land strategy and do Donkey Kong Land Returns? Did it with Super Mario Land? Yeah, well, I mean, and more, the, yeah, and more of the point, they already are making new levels. Just make... 60 of them instead of 8. I realize that's way more resources, and it's kind of like a weird, just do this. Compa- like, you can't just say, well, I was going to make 8, but now I'll make 72. But, you know, well, like... Depending on how it does, you might just make a sequel. I hope. Because I, I really like... That was something that was really cool about the original Donkey Kong Return or Country and Land, is they were similar games, but they were independent games. So you had a portable one in Donkey Kong Land and its sequels, and you had the console ones and country and its sequels and eventually they started to blur when they poured uh, country to Game Boy Advance and land just kind of fell to the wayside this is the perfect opportunity to revive land they should mm. they really should and like you said if not with this game if this game does well maybe a sequel that's only on 3DS it's enough to drive you bananas yes it is yes. speaking of bananas check out this transition bananas Donkey Kong back to Donkey Kong we were just talking about Donkey Kong here we are again with Donkey Kong he's in another game in name only and that is uh, Mario and Donkey Kong Minis on the Move. It's the season of Donkey Kong. It's the season of Donkey Kong in the year of Luigi. <laughs> it's the the month of nothing. Ah, oh, if only this was May, we could do like, the month of... No, oh, May is Donkey Kong month. Because uh, March, Minis on the Move is now confirmed for May 9th, and Donkey Kong Country Returns is May 24th. So it is, it is, I think May 24th, that sounds right. Yeah. Huh, weird. Month. But yeah, Monkey Month. Monkey May. Monkey May. Anyway, so Minis on the Move, we talked about it before a little, when they first announced it in the last Nintendo Direct, and it's a uh, eShop-only tile that's going to take the Minis, the Mario vs. Donkey Kong concept and kind of turn it 3D. So instead of a side-scrolling level you're building, the Minis are moving automatically down a path, and you have to build a path and avoid obstacles looking at basically the top of a cube. Yeah, so like I said, I think Pipe Dream. Yeah, exactly. It's just like Pipe Dream. 
as you mentioned last time. Yeah. So what they revealed now is there's going to be a total of four gameplay modes, all based around this concept of building paths for the minis before they get there, so they don't fall off and die. Uh, each gameplay mode is going to have a different mechanic for the minis, so it'll be like one's going to be you have a limited number of pieces to use, one's going to be you have a limited amount of time, that sort of thing. Uh, they're promising a total of 180 puzzles, which is actually a pretty good amount, considering it's an eShop download, which means it's probably going to be a pricey download, I'm guessing at least 15 and like the standard price. Yeah. Well, no, most stuff is cheaper. Only uh, I mean the standard, like the most expensive, like the mm-hmm. higher end, which is fine. I mean, Fifteen bucks for a game for 180 puzzles, and on top of that, uh, it is got a bunch of dual screen mini games, I mean, like in the old Mario vs. Donkey Kong, where you could like you're shooting a slingshot from the bottom screen to the top, where you're turning a crank, and you have to avoid things like you crank yeah. up to the top screen. All those mini games are back and redone. So, still but you're bother- saying still bothers me that this whole price thing is all psychological. Well, it is and it isn't, because we're in an era where you can get Angry Birds on Android for free, and it has, like, hundreds of levels. Yet Mario vs. Donkey Kong could be $15. So it's not even... It is psychological in the sense that people are now trained they feel more and conditioned yeah. Yeah, to feel like they deserve more for less. Which Nintendo at GDC a few years ago, was that was Iwata's whole speech, was don't cheapen your games, you're going to ruin like the prospects of the future of the industry, because everyone's going to expect everything for free. And yet, it's happening. Yeah. Yeah. But, um... I never see anything getting released on the iPhone. I assume it's free or a dollar. Yeah. It usually is. <laughs> yeah, it's like when I see a game on the iPhone for three or four bucks, I'm like, really? Like, what makes it three dollars? But, like, I don't flinch at that <laughs> price on an eShop. On the eShop, that's a bargain. Gunman Clyde for two bucks? Oh, I'm there. Gunman Clyde for two bucks on on iOS? Wait. But everything else is one buck. Like, it's just... It's all context. If anything, when something's a dollar on the eShop, I feel like oh, it's probably not that good because it's only a buck. Gunman Clive is good. It's two bucks, but still. Yeah, 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 but yeah, it's it's, it's it's all context, I guess. Um, yeah, so that I I think that kind of sums it up for um, Donkey Mario and Donkey Kong. I mean, it's pretty much just the release date. And yeah, it's just a release date rates. and the new. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Here's the thing with Mario and Donkey Donkey Kong. Mario vs. Donkey Kong the original was really cool because it, 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 it really was Mario vs. Yeah, Kong. and then the others with the minis, they were good. They're kind of lemmings. That was cool, but they got a little repetitive. I mean, they've had three of the same game, if not four, at this point. So now they're mixing it up a little, but I don't know if it'll be enough. I I this want to see. Third. No, they've had they also they the first did... one. The first one controlled. You just controlled Mario. Yeah, first one you had Mario. Then they had two physical releases, and then the DSiWare release. And now they're doing a three uh, eShop. Two physical releases, really? Mm-hmm. They had uh, one, a second one for Game Boy, and then no, they had two for DS, and then one DSiWare. I thought it was one for DS. I think they have two. I'm pretty sure it's two total. Right? To the internet. <laughs> Here, one of us look at that. I'll, I'll talk about the other. That's so this is the third with only mini controls, and so there's four right now, counting this one. Maybe, yeah, That's sure. That sounds right, sure. Uh, I guess it doesn't matter. There's a bunch of them. Point is, they <laughs> kind of milked the formula, so I'm curious to see what reviews say, because this seems to change up the formula a little. Yeah. It's crazy how, like, these games release in the span of maybe, like, two console generations. Yep. There's only, like, four of them. It's already starting to feel more stale, as opposed to other games. I mean, yeah. obviously, because... Yeah, yeah. Like, I'm pretty sure we have three or four games in the Yoshi Islands, but that's over twenty. That's years. Over, yeah, that's over four console generations. Yeah. But uh, yeah, so that's new games and updates on games you already know. Nintendo also for North America specifically uh, confirmed a couple localizations that are in the works. The biggest one I'd say is that they're going to be bringing Bravely Default to the states. Is it Nintendo Stations too? No, they didn't. That would be Capcom. The reason Nintendo announced Bravely Default is Nintendo's publishing Bravely Default. Just like they published Square Enix's Dragon Quest IX. And this is another Square Enix game that they want to see do well. So they're going to put their marketing muscle and distribution behind it. So uh, Bravely Default, for those who may not know, it's an entirely new Square Enix RPG. 
It hit Japan last year. It got a lot of buzz, a lot of positive uh, press. And, you know, it's like a full Square Enix production. You have to, you know, story with cinematics. There's things like AR card integration. There's, you know, high production values. There's this battle system that relies on a strategy of skipping turns. Like, you can save up your energy for a more powerful attack later or have weaker attacks up front. And that's, like, some new, you know, a whole new dynamic for, like, a Final Fantasy-style game since they don't usually do that. It's something you'd appreciate a lot more if you played some yeah. of these games. Yeah, and mm-hmm. I mean... For someone just listening, it just doesn't, it doesn't sound like No, but that, that really changes everything, if you think about it. Like, that can dramatically change how you fight in an RPG. If, you, like, if you're not just figuring out, should I attack or use an item or defend, but now figuring out, should I do anything or wait and hope I don't die? Like, that's kind of a major yeah. shake-up. And I mean, it, a lot of JRPG fans uh, have been wanting this to come stateside for a while, since it is basically a new Square Enix property. Which is pretty rare these days. Like, it, they could have called it fan, Final Fantasy blah blah blah. But they chose to go with an entirely new title, entirely new universe, all that. So, yeah, like I said... Final Nintendo- Fantasy is pretty much done. Kind of. Like. They're still doing handheld ones. And another sequel to yeah. Final Fantasy. And 14 or 15 or whatever is still somewhere out there. But, um, yeah, so like I said, Nintendo will be handling it in 2014. And they will also be publishing the next uh, localization... Uh, Professor Layton, which is Professor Layton and the Arzan Legacy. Yes, they do them about once a year. So this new one um, is actually the last of a second trilogy of Layton. Can you believe we have that many Laytons already? We're up to number six. I know, I'm still on number two going on. I haven't even played one. All because of Phoenix vs. Layton, and I've been playing these games. Yeah, you know, there's there's possible good news about that. So this Layton, the Arzan Legacy, doesn't come out until 2014, and they tend to release a Layton a year. So there's a nice gap in 2013 for a localization of Ace Attorney versus Professor Layton. I'm not saying it's going to happen. I'm just saying they're skipping a year, which is strange. So maybe they're coordinating with I mean, Level 5 so they can release... It would have to be Capcom that publishes that game, right? Level 5 can publish it. Hopefully. But I think Cap- I think Capcom is, but Level 5 can. They have yeah, publishing yeah. abilities. But my guess is Nintendo works very close with Level 5 to localize all of these. So if Level 5 said, hey, we're going to do uh, Ace Attorney versus Layton this year at Capcom... Nintendo probably says, okay, we'll do Arzan Legacy in our, you know, in 2014 where we don't have quite as many games coming out. Yeah. So there's a good gap. But anyway, like I was saying, this is a the conclusion of the second trilogy. It supposedly, if I'm understanding this correctly, is the last game Leighton himself will be in. Yeah. They might be wrapping so up the series. Yeah. yeah, so... Uh, Luke will become maybe full professor. Or they'll just end the series because sales are declining in Japan with each Leighton. Oh, well, makes sense. Mm-hmm. But I mean, uh, level, fi- level five. Level five is fine. Of puzzle games. Yeah, level five is fine in terms of like new games. Like they, they have Fantasy Life, which is a hugely successful title in Japan right now. So you know they're just transitioning. But that might be it for Layton. This might be the last one. Uh, don't they also make Style Savvy? No, that's they, they, they make. Something. They didn't make Style Savvy. They did uh, Fantasy Life. They did the soccer RPGs that never came to America. Uh, something eleven. In Azuna. Yeah. Azuma. Azuna eleven. But, you know, while we're on the topic of level 5, actually, uh, now's probably a good time to mention uh, that they're bringing three more of their quirky uh, 3DS games to the eShop. So in Japan, if you recall, they have what, or you may not know, they have what they call the Guild series. So they released it, they released it, they released Guild 01 about a year ago, and that was Liberation Maiden, Crimson Shroud, and Aeroporter, all of which were released individually on the eShop here in the States they, and in Europe. They're uh, now doing it again. Guild O2 is out in Europe, I mean in Japan, and now they're bringing each game individually as downloadable titles to America and Europe. So what that's going to mean is uh, we're going to get three brand new titles from three 
big-name Japanese developers, at least over in Japan. Only one name resonates, I'd say, with the majority of American gamers, so he's the only one I'm going to point out. But uh, the first game they're going to do is called Starship Damray. Damray? Damray. Damray. And it's actually, this one actually sounds potentially cool. It's a horror suspense game. You wake up on a spaceship. You don't know who you are. You don't know what you're doing. You don't know what the point of the game is. There's no HUD. There's no hints. There's no tutorials. You just explore and learn things as you explore. And it's all very tense and suspenseful and very, like, like mood, mood lighting. Or not mood lighting. I'm kind of like, like that game. Very eerily lit. And, well, there's nothing. You just kind of have to figure everything oh, out. Yeah, it's kind of like Toki Tori 2 yeah. is what you're getting at. Yeah, that game we're going to talk about later. <laughs> I have uh, to make it sound all mysterious. Yeah, like this game. Yeah. See, they, I shouldn't have said because then I would have had to listen to the whole podcast and learn for themselves, just like in this game. But um, what's interesting about this, and actually all three of the new tiles uh, that Level 5 is releasing, is if you have saved data of Liberation Maiden, Crim- uh, Crimson Child, or Aeroporter on your 3DS and you download one of these, it will unlock content in all three of these new games. So in the case of Starship Demray, which is being made, by the way, by a guy who like does horror writing and horror and suspenseful games in Japan. Um, so for those who, like I was saying, for those who have tiles, previous level 5 eShop tiles, they'll actually get an entire new scenario, which I guess is just a new mission yeah, that's in cool. the game. It's like a whole new chunk so, of I mean, the game. It's like could, DLC. So you could potentially get one. Yeah. If you get one of those. Yeah. And they're doing that for all three games. And so, yeah. So the, the second game they're releasing um, is Bugs vs. Tanks, which is exactly what it sounds like. It's a game where you fight bugs with itty bitty tanks. It's not like Plants vs. Zombies. No, it's it's actiony. It's like real time fighting. It's set during World War II. A bunch of tanks get shrunk down. They go, "Oh no, we're shrunk down. We must fight these bugs to figure out how to get back to normal size." Yeah. Uh, so <laughs> the game's gonna it's gonna have all authentic tanks and weaponry and upgrades from World War II that you can add to your vehicles. And uh, the real reason it's worth mentioning is that the guy behind Mega Man, uh, USA's name, I want to betray. KG Nafune. Yeah. He is the one developing the game. He did Mega Man. He did uh, Omanush, Omin, Omanush. The Samurai games from Capcom on PlayStation. I'm blanking out what it's called. Omanusha, Onimusha, Onim. Damn it. I don't want to say it because I don't remember either. I Om- know what you're talking about. That one. But he also did that. Is that the one with the 2D side-scrolling artsy one? No, 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 no. Oh, no, no, no. no that's I'm talking about that. the. It's. I'm. I'm thinking. I'm thinking more like. Uh, it's like Dynasty Warrior, but it's from Capcom. Oh, the one with the controversial box art. I know what you're talking about. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. He did that too. But anyway, so this is his new game. And like with the other one, if you have previous save data from other level 5 eShop tiles, you get a gold tank. Not quite as exciting as a whole new scenario. But so there's that. Uh, no prices, by the way, for any of these games have been announced, but they're all coming relatively soon. So that's cool. Yeah, I'm judging by. Actually, no, they were all pretty different prices because Liberation yeah. Maid was like. With the, with the oh, no, Liberation Maid and Crimson Trout were both 8. And then Airport was five, oh, I think, yeah. or four. It was definitely cheaper. Yeah, but they actually just dropped the prices on all of those. They're doing a sale right now. So if you want to be able to get all this exclusive content, they're doing a sale right now. Um, from now till May thirtieth, Liberation, yeah, Liberation Main and Crimson Shroud are gonna be three dollars off for five dollars. So yeah, they were originally eight. And Airport is gonna drop by two dollars to three dollars. So yeah, that was originally five. Wow, those are good guesses. I didn't have to look at the notes when I was saying that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, the final game of the new trilogy, and it is really smart, because they're going to get all these people buy the original games at cheaper prices and then get hooked into the new games. So the final game is potentially the most interesting. I mean, they're all kind of interesting in their own way, but this one I'm the most intrigued about. And that's uh, Attack of the Friday Monsters, a Tokyo Tale. So it's, they're, Level 5 is billing it as a heartwarming life simulation game. 
And basically, you're going to control this kid named Soda who lives in, in Tokyo. Uh, and every Friday, all these monsters from classic 70s Japanese television will come to life around you and you, I don't know, do stuff with them. They haven't really said what you do. They're just there and you're living your life and it's a life Yeah, sim. kind of like you just watch the fight. Yeah, but it's some sort of life simulation. Animal Crossing with random Japanese monsters. I don't know. But uh, it, it just the fact that it's you know, so different is potentially interesting. And the guy that's doing it, he's known in Japan for his, like, heartwarming, like, nice, lovely little tales. So, they have, like, someone that knows what he's doing in terms of making a good story yeah. to do this. I, I, I'm definitely interested in this. Yeah, I'm very intrigued. And uh, in this case, previous saves will get you access to in-game concept art and illustrations. Which makes sense, because how you unlock something in a life sim with a save file, like, that's kind of silly. Yeah, the alternate thing. Exactly, yeah. So, so that's what level 5 has going on. Um, if you're curious, if you do want to pick up uh, any of the current level 5 games on the eShop want, or if you're on the fence about them I can at least tell you a little bit about Aeroporter I played it we talked about it back in episode 32 playing soccer and automobiles uh, in a nutshell it's a pretty fun little puzzle management game it's very, it gets very tense very stressful very fast because it's, it's a clever airport theme but you're constantly like you know, all these bags come in, or you have to get this one bag onto that one plane as quick as you can, but there's like 20 other bags in the way, and it's going this quick, and you're like, what's going on? And it's like really fast. So, if you can handle like the 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 like multi, the rapid multitasking and the stress of it all, it's fun. If that's not your cup of tea, you probably won't like it, but um, I recommend listening to my full impressions episode 32, or just downloading it for three bucks and seeing for yourself. But if you do want to hear the full impression, go around town.com, just scroll down the main page to see episode 32. Once again, that's planes, soccer, and automobiles. It's from back... Uh, back at the end of the year of 2012. So go take a listen for those full impressions at the tail end of the show. So that's 3DS. That's Nintendo Direct's 3DS news, in a nutshell. Uh, not even in a nutshell. In a very in a very giant nut, I guess. It's not really a nutshell. It's like an actual full meal. In a Pokeball. In a Pokeball, sure. So I think you we could... put a lot of stuff yeah, in Yeah, that's true. I think you can pretty safely say that the 3DS has a stacked lineup for 2013. Like, it's absolutely packed. I mean, let's just review real quick. DK in May, right? Donkey Kong Country Returns in May. Animal Crossing in June. Mario Golf in summer, so either July or September most likely. Then there's Mario & Luigi Dream Team in August. Then there's Pokemon X and Y in October. And then there's Zelda, A Link to the Past 2, or whatever they call it, in November or December for the holidays. Normally, in the past, Pokemon has been a big holiday tile. Mario & Luigi has been a big holiday tile. Or Zelda has been the big holiday title. This year, we have all three of them. There's so many games that what was once these headlining holiday game, Mario Luigi, is now coming out in August. Like, that's crazy. This reminds me of, uh, what was it, 2007 with the Wii? Whereas Metroid Prime in August, Fire Emblem in September, uh, Mario Galaxy in November. Like, it's like that caliber of, like, craziness. So, yeah. it's an awesome year for 3DS. More than Year of Luigi, more than Season of Donkey Kong or whatever we were saying, <laughs> it's definitely the year of the 3DS, no doubt. Because yeah. we already have so many great games. Fire Emblem, Luigi's Mansion. For those who like the Lego series... Shipping to be one of the better consoles. Yeah, it's amazing. They're firing on all cylinders right now. Like it's really, Considering it's Rocky Star, it's really impressive. And when we get to the uh, sales stuff later in the show... Like, the, the, the turnaround they've had in terms of sales, and, like, the if you even compare this year or last year in terms of software sales, it's insane. Like, they're doing really well. The Wii U, <laughs> on the other hand, not quite as solid. Not, nope, 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 nope. As, at least as of right now. 
So, uh, during the new Nintendo Direct, they did discuss a few new tidbits, I guess. I won't even call it, like, major stories, just, like, little yeah, nuggets like of information. Update and, like, basic things that, like, should have been done already. Yeah, that they just had to, like, tell us yeah. to get it out there. So, we'll it's start like, with the yeah. positive. Let's start with the positive, sort of. Let, well, actually, let's just start with the games, and then we'll work our way to the not-so-much games. So, first up, Pikmin 3. That's something everyone's excited about. Uh, so they did share a very brief... For too long. Yeah, seriously. They did share some very brief new information on Pik- Pikmin 3, confirming the very long-rumored flying Pikmin type. If you recall, it's in the E3 trailer. I love how Nintendo's like, you may have noticed it, and they like, put a big red circle around it. <laughs> it's like, everyone saw it. We know. <laughs> I know, we had a long time. We had a year it. to watch that trailer, remember, guys? But, um, so this new Pikmin's called the Wing Pikmin. It's gonna be pink, like it was in the trailer, and it, fl- it flies instead of walks. It carries items in the sky instead of on the ground. Presumably there'll be flying enemies that can interfere with those, but you don't get any interference from ground enemies, and you can attack enemies from above. So that's kind of cool. The second thing they announced, which is not so cool, is that the game is now slated for August 4th, the week before Mario and Luigi Dream Team, coincidentally. Damn. That sucks. I'm two big time scene games. Mm-hmm. But more yeah. to the point, August 4th, for a title that was supposed to be out first at launch, then the launch window, then in spring, now at the tail end of summer, that sucks. I'm really disappointed about the delay. Yeah. Like, that's Maybe really... there was something wrong with the game. I, well, I don't know. I mean, they are adding stuff. The game looks... I mean, they didn't even say the, the date until after. Yeah, they in the, like in the direct... So yeah. Nicely, here yeah, in the direct, they just said in the coming months, and then afterwards, they tweeted exactly what you said. Since they asked so nicely, here you go. But um, here's the thing. The game does look a whole lot better in the new show footage they showed than in the footage from E3 last year. Like, they literally showed both back-to-back, and there's a noticeable increase in, like, the complexity of the textures and like the hd-ness of it all like it looks um, not a million times better but it's noticeably better and they're adding the miiverse uh photo taking mode and there is a nintendo network logo on the box so i'm hoping that means more than just a miiverse photo taking mode i'm hoping either online multiplayer or yeah, co-op like, like a separate mode yeah or at least because it has to be or a- at least new levels through dlc in the future i'd be okay with even that as an excuse to delay just like we're gonna keep building yeah, the game you see them building just like simplified yeah. maps like yeah exactly like i'd be cool with any of that so hopefully the delay is allowing for that stuff but the fact of the matter is you can't have a game that's coming out first of all this will be its sixth e3 Actually, they announced it six years ago for Wii. i think six maybe five but this is going on the fifth or sixth e3 for pikmin 3 granted it was only playable at one of them but it was Announced that many years. I mean, it technically skipped the console. So. Yeah, it did. But I mean, we got let's play. You know, not let's play. We control play Pikmin one. You play Wii? control yeah, Pikmin two. Yeah, it, or no, it's Pikmin one. Yeah, new play control. And then we got it in Nintendo Land, so they didn't forget the franchise. But yeah. it's just like so weird. I mean, and now that's on, in Nintendo Direct, Nintendo also confirmed the Game and Wario release date, which is now set for June twenty third, which is also a little farther off than expected. I mean, when we in the last Nintendo Direct they talked about Game of Wario, I remember saying, I predict it'll be out late April, early May. That would fit the window. There's nothing coming out then. It makes sense. And it still makes sense. The game's out in Japan, but for some reason they're waiting three months to bring it to America. It's been out since late March. Wait, so what's this I hear about the price actually still being I, generic? No or, or, one what's knows. Going on? We don't, GameStop just... temporarily dropped the price to $40 on Game of Wario, but it was a separate listing of the game than what's currently there. Like, it was dated uh, December 31st of this year is the release date for $40. Hmm. This And it's still listed as that, even though the game's... Like, if you go to that specific page, even though the game now is the day of June 23rd. Yeah. So I think it, maybe it'll be $40. Yeah, There's older. rumors it might be download only, which I don't see happening, but I can see it being $40. I, I think Nintendo knows... Download it. only. 
but it's a rumor. I don't think it's gonna happen, but I do think uh, I I could see it being cheaper. At least not sixty. I could see it going for fifty. Forty would be ideal. But the bigger question to me is. Why are these two tiles that are supposed to be in the launch window, one of which is done and out in Japan and does not take three months to translate? There's not that much text in Game of Mario, or any WarioWare. Why are they getting delayed? What is going on with the Wii U? Like, I, I mean, I don't know. It's just like, things get delayed, I understand that. But one game's not, out in Japan, the other's been in development for six years. It's just kind of a bummer, like, what's happening? They're not really making good use of their head start. They're not at all. The only thing I can think of is maybe there's some sort of, like, relaunch of the Wii U in... In, in the works. I don't know. I mean, like, Nintendo's been kind of hinting at that. They've been saying in interviews around the time this Nintendo director and the press event, they're doing interviews where they're like, yeah, uh, E3, we're going to have momentum at E3, going into E3, there'll be momentum at E3, Wii U at E3, da da da. And then in their press release about their sales that coincide with the sales numbers we'll do in Jason Sales Corner Lair, they, in the press release, they're like, you know, we're building up momentum with these third party games, plus they'll be playing at E3, including the new Smash Bros., Mario Kart, and Super Mario game. Like, the fact that they keep going E3, E3, E3 makes me think that they're probably going to do some sort of blowout or some sort of relaunch or some sort of, like, here's Phase 2 of the Wii, here's our do-over, here's our non-ambassador games, but the similar move we're going to make to get people to buy the thing. Like, I, I wonder if they're literally just like, well, if we wait and release Game & Wario in June and Pikmin in, eight, in August, then we can have, like, a game a month. There'll be something in July. We can do a game a month for the rest of the year, and that looks impressive. And the people that have it now can just keep suffering because they already are suffering. So what difference does it make? I don't know. Like, it's hard to read Nintendo on this. It's very confusing. Oh, you think they're going into panic Nintendo mode? They're getting close. I See, I thought they would have been by now, but, I mean, they're waiting. They're taking their time with these. Uh, I guess 3DS is kind of eating them a little. Yeah, but it shouldn't be. They should be focusing on their new system, too. They should be doing 50-50. I will say, though, that Nintendo did share some good Wii U news in Nintendo Direct. I mean, I know I just kind of bashed everything, but, like... They did confirm that new Super Luigi U, which is the DLC expansion pack for uh, New Super Mario Bros. U, is coming out earlier than expected. It's coming out this summer. See, that would be part of the stopgap. So they might be pushing everything back because they're like, okay, we could have pick or Game of Warrior in June, new or new Super Luigi U in July, Pikmin in August, whatever in September, whatever in October, whatever. Like if they, I mean, aren't we also technically getting that Rayman demo thing soon? Yeah, we're getting that because I mean, since before, yeah. I mean, now that since the free demo, now everyone has access to it as opposed to just the yeah, it's a challenge game. mode. Yeah, so now I'm assuming they're okay. Everyone's gonna download it. That's just something else for them to do. Yeah, but that's not the same as a whole retail game. Really a not. challenge mode that you play for 15 minutes. Well, yeah, minutes. but I mean... Yeah. I mean, they are... Granted, the challenge mode when it launches later this month will have... Um, it'll have entirely... It'll have five different levels that are randomly generated with different challenges every day. So it'll be an entirely, like, cohesive package in and of itself. And you'll have Miiverse integration and other things. And achievements. But still, it just seems... I don't know. Something's up with the Wii U. But like I said, the good news is New Super Luigi U is coming out this summer. I honestly thought it would be fall. Um, the DLC pack is going to have all 82 levels from the original game completely redesigned. Same map, but... Same map, map, same world map, totally different levels. Like, the levels will have the same themes, but the layouts will be different. And they'll be accommodating Luigi's different handling, since, you know, he jumps higher, he slow, he comes to a stop slower, like, he, glide, he like, slides more when he's stopping. So the levels, you'll have to take that into consideration, and some of the levels will take that into consideration for you but most interestingly all the levels are only 100 seconds time limit so you're gonna have to basically Nintendo's like you're gonna have to speed run these if the character you're not even used to controlling go so that's kind of interesting sounds challenging they're making it for people they're clearly making it for people that beat Mario U and want a challenge so it is cool that they're doing it and honestly it sounds like a very cohesive package so I'm guessing $20 download 
least. I keep forgetting that this is 15 DLC or 10. for the game. I yeah. keep thinking of it as it's a new game, separate yeah. little thing. Which, which is kind of what Nintendo wants. Like, while I was saying in Nintendo Direct... I mean, it's probably going to be like the smallest download size ever, just because... Yeah. Yeah, but he was saying in Nintendo Direct... He, yeah. <laughs> he was saying in Nintendo Direct, though, that uh, they're treating it like a whole new game. It's just using the same yeah. game disc. I mean, designing all these levels, I'm assuming, takes yeah. a lot of time. Yeah, but and it's a good stopgap for the summer if there really is nothing coming out. Because it's like a whole new game, essentially. With minimal resources on their side that they have to give to it, because you know they're just building yeah. new levels with an existing engine, with an existing disc. They don't have to press anything. They don't have to market. And just for anything. a game, they could assume most people have that have a Wii U. Yeah, so. yeah, something like sixty, six, two thirds of Wii U owners own the game, or something like Pretty that. Pretty much, that's a good chunk. Yeah, but uh, Nintendo also dropped a, in addition to now Luigi coming out earlier than expected. They also dropped a bit of news about the virtual console that's a bit unexpected. To put it lightly, and this might be another stopgap, I don't know. And that is that the much requested, much demanded, where was it for the past two decades, Earthbound is coming to Wii U Virtual Console. Whoa, hitting the table there. Earthbound. Were you one of those people that really wanted it? Here's the thing, I've never played Earthbound. <laughs> Me neither. I, I've i heard it has a great sense of humor. I've heard it's really fun and quirky and like a really solid RPG, like JRPG. But I never actually played it in a very different setting because it's modern times in a city. But I've never actually played it. Yeah, it's one of those so games I've where been, I'm like, man, I can't believe I haven't played it considering yeah. how big of a... So I've been really hoping that one day they'd bring it over to play. But apparently what was going on is it was long rumored... And that's what have been a cooler character. Yeah, it was long rumored that there's a music copyright issue. Like one of the songs oh, in the game. Oh, I did hear but that. But in an interview recently, uh, Nintendo's Bill Trent said that's not the case. Oh. But I don't know what is the case. I mean, he. I he think he was brushing it. it off. I don't think Nintendo would go, yeah, we had a copyright issue. He's just like... Not because th- they asked him, and he's like, "Not that I'm aware of." So that means it probably still happened. Well, I mean, apparently, the game deals with a lot of adult themes. Yeah. So maybe do you think they're like, "Oh, maybe our audience isn't ready." No, no, no. Because it wasn't even a simple. First of all, it already came out in America. Oh yeah. Secondly, I mean, it wasn't they a released sim- a lot of more risky. Yeah, but secondly, it wasn't even a simple. No, they released less risky games. Mortal Kombat had green blood on Super Nintendo, but non Genesis. They were way more censorship heavy in the Super Nintendo era than they are now. Way more. But uh, that's. Yeah. Uh, what was I going to say? Um, yeah, okay, it's one thing if it wasn't on Wii Virtual Console. Sure, maybe they thought it was too risque now. It's another thing to not put the 22nd demo in Super Smash Bros. Brawl. In Brawl, you know how they have the little oh, yeah. mini-capsule game things you can do? Earthbound is in the Japanese version as Mother 2, which is why its name is in Earthbound, because Earthbound is actually a sequel to an NES game. So Mother 2 is in the Japanese version. They scrubbed it from the American version, suggesting there was some sort of copyright issue or some sort of legal legal reason that you know that they couldn't do it. Whatever it was, they overcame that. Well, and who, now it's coming. What they developed the game with? It doesn't sound like it was on Nintendo. No, it was Nintendo. Iwata himself to help develop it. It's a guy named oh, what's his name? Only his t- last name is spelled I T O I or something like that. Oh. I toy. I don't know. But he how laboratories how <laughs> laboratories did it, yeah. which is a Nintendo uh, second party. Yeah. So, Nintendo claims what really pushed them to bring it to the States was when Mother 2 released on the Japanese Virtual Console. The yeah, people went nuts on Miiverse. Like, Westerners went crazy and posted all these messages saying, we need the game, we want the game. Apparently, that's what sold them. So, if you want to give really, it to the Miiverse. Really, what I think, yeah. Really, what I think it was is the, they saw that and they went, maybe we should just pay the fee on this, whatever this legal issue is, and just bring it over. Like, people are flipping out. It looks bad. Yeah. And it'll make us look good. So, they did. Hmm. That's my guess. Maybe I should... Go to a Capcom game and put all the... Capcom's different. They have that VP of theirs always on the forum explaining why they can't do this thing yeah, or the next yeah, thing. Yeah. It was because but, it's sales. It's always sales. Yeah. I mean, so, and I think about. maybe part of the risk with this is 
the virtual console, the maybe is having really good success with those 30 cent games. So they're like, well, what harm is it if we pay, you know, we can make back the money on whatever law, legal issue. Yeah, funny this one was a 30 cent game. It was in Japan. I know, that's super right, annoying. Yeah, yeah. yeah, but they could charge whatever day. They I mean, could charge $100 wait, for people to download that it. means we got a game that Japan didn't, right? Yeah, I don't remember Or they're doing it for one extra month. I don't know, actually. I'm not sure. Hmm. I think we get an extra, or I think we just get With a different With the Kirby, because we have like four versions of Kirby now. I don't know. But while we're on, but since we're talking virtual console, while we're on that topic, um, the full service is launching really soon, as in this coming week, on the Wii Wii Shop. So they showed, um, at the, in the Nintendo Direct, they showed a sizzle reel, and uh, some of the games that popped up in it that we didn't know were coming to virtual console on Wii U, but shouldn't be a surprise. Ice Climber, Excite Bike, Donkey Kong, Super Mario World, Mega Man, Kirby, both the already released Kirby's Adventure and the Super Nintendo Kirby. Uh, and Mario Brothers 2 were all in this little 45 second sizzle reel. Plus, on top of that, we already have games coming out like Super Metroid, which will be only 30 cents when it hits, I believe, in May, maybe June. And a lot of promise that Game Boy Advance and N64 are on the way. So, if even half those games launch with the Virtual Console this week, that's a much bigger lineup than what they launched with on the Wii. Was or even the 3DS. Like three games a week or something like that? The Wii was doing one Virtual Console game a week. Or two, it was doing like three at first, then it went two, then it went one, then it went like one every two months. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, it was bad. But the Virtual Console is actually going to be launching a day after the Wii's first major uh, firmware update, which is probably hitting on Tuesday or Wednesday. Virtual console, the, the virtual console 30 cent sales always happen on Wednesday. Eshop updates always happen on Thursday. The update's coming a day before the virtual consoles. That pins as either Tuesday or Wednesday. It has to be. Yeah. So, um, the update's gonna, as promised, fix a lot of the load times. They showed the video again. Uh, they showed a video where it goes from 22 seconds to about 6 seconds when you leave a game. And they're also adding some other abilities. Uh, you could copy save data between multiple hard drives if you have two connected to the console at once. You can uh, install updates in the background while playing a game, opposed to having to quit the game to... Probably not the game you're playing, but it used to be if you are installing an update, you couldn't do anything on the Wii U. Now you can run an update install in the background. Very nice. Very nice, very and nice. What, how it should be. Uh, you can also now download and install updates for games, and I guess for system as well, when the system is physically turned off, which is odd because they didn't know it had standby mode, but I guess they're adding it. There's only two lights on the power button. I'm not sure how this is going to work. It's either red or blue. So how you know that's downloading versus not downloading? I I'm curious to see how they do that. But um, another nice little feature they added, which I guess people requested. I I never even thought of this as a possibility. Uh, when you boot up the system, if you hold down B, it'll go straight to the Wii mode, so you don't have to go through the Wii U menu. No. Presumably meaning it'll be much faster to play a Wii game because that menu is optimized. Kind of nice. I'm playing through. I mean, I'm playing through Harvey Birdman. So. Yeah. Oh, you are. Yeah. I didn't know you're playing it right now. Yeah, I'm like on my last mission. Nice. Uh, but yeah, so... Case. Case, yes. So um, that, that update's saying really soon. Probably, possibly by the time you're listening to this, because it's literally two or three days after this episode goes live on uh, April 21st. So, but, uh, and that, you know, I think the good news at the tail end of the Wii U part of the Nintendo Direct, like, kind of is reassuring. I mean, Nintendo clearly is having issues. With its first party lineup, there's no doubt, like, all their games are, like, not there. But at least we're getting updates. At least we're getting DLC through Super Luigi U. It, uh, at least we're getting some games, although a bit later. It's just, I don't know. It's, just, it's a very weird situation. Nintendo could 
Getting me excited for an update on something yeah. that should have been. A I know everything in that firmware update should have been there day one. Yeah, like this is like so, we are such like beta testers for the Wii U. It's not even funny. <laughs> I know just like the folders. It's like oh my god, we got folders, mm-hmm. even though it's mm-hmm. like the smallest thing you could yep. add. Yep, I, yeah, I know. We well, should have insane. folders now. I'm, run, I'm literally yeah, they need to add folders. Already. I'm shocked they didn't. I mean, it's on the 3ds. I feel like some things they did with the Wii U were a step back from the things they did with they, the Wii and 3ds. Like they do it on Why purpose, is Wii Connect like, 24 not a why is there no spot pass esque thing on Wii U that works when the system's off and notifies you to have a light? There is the spot pass list. But you have to have the system on and then it checks. 3DS, there's the light. Wii, the whole disc slot lights up. Wii U, when you get a notification, the home button lights up. Why can't that home button light up when the system's off? Especially since you can now download updates when it's off. I mean, I imagine they can roll it out, but why was that feature that was so key to the so Wii? Just forward one step back. Exactly. It's, just, it's very strange. But. Um, like, I still want clearer notifications. Like. Yeah. On the gamepad or on the screen itself. Yeah, that'd be nice. I mean, they kind of happen as you're playing, so you don't even really notice that. Unless you're looking at the home button. Yeah. yeah. But, um, and I, I do want to say, the Wii U situation is getting a little better, at least for owners, in the sense that, like, we're getting more games. Like, in May, there's a lot. There's Deus Ex, there's Resident Evil, there's Sniper Elite 2. There's, like, you know, there's stuff. It may not be the most exciting stuff, but we're getting more stuff, opposed to April, where there's nothing. So, it's very slowly turning around. And, you know, to further show its turnaround, there's a lot of new third-party games that were announced these past couple weeks that are, pro- you know, that are really giving the, the Wii U a, a better library. And I think the biggest of those is probably the new Batman. 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 Uh, Warner Brothers Games, WB Games, announced that they are making a new Batman title, Batman Arkham Origins. It's going to be a brand new entry in the Arkham series, clearly. And it's going to be on all HD consoles, including the Wii U. So... Uh, this prequel is going to be before the first Batman game, way before, and you're going to be playing as a young Bruce Wayne, not like super young, not like bat, not like teenage, but you know, not not uh... late twenties. Yeah, <laughs> like late twenties, early thirties. You know, when he's ru- when he's like tough but not rugged. When, but... <laughs> when he ju- not not that far into his Batman career, probably. Yeah, when he's just like, I mean, learning the ropes. Yeah. But well, no, he's he's far enough because how, what the game's about. So you're a young Bruce Wayne, and on Christmas Eve. Eight supervillains decide they're all going to go assassinate. Like, there's eight assa- supervillain assassins after you, which includes some lesser... Like, um, like yeah, that, that it's like, no, it's like no more heroes. It's no more heroes with Batman. You that have to keep... on Christmas Eve? No, but you have to I'll keep... I'll talk about the Christmas Oh, oh I'll talk about the assassins. Oh. Okay, so it's Die Hard meets no more heroes with Batman. Ah. Done. But yeah, they, these enemies, they're not going to be like Joker or Riddler. They're going to be lesser known ones like Black Mask. Especially because Mark Hamill uh, said he's not returning and... to do Joker ever. Yeah, so. that's what he claims. I'm sure if they show Actually, up... that's what he said about I'm the first sure game. I'm sure if they put enough After money in front of him, he'll change yeah, his I mean, tune. Yeah, he said that about the first game. The yeah. second one. So. Yeah, there are a couple things about Arkham Origins, even though it won't have Joker. Those things actually make it kind of stand out and kind of interesting. Um, so the game's going to not take place in a confined space. You're not within Arkham. You're not within a prison. You're not within like, the walls of it. It's gonna be all. It's the city of Gotham, and the reason they're doing it on Christmas Eve is so they don't have to have people in the streets. So you still have that kind of empty, like lurking in the shadows. or not yeah, like, activity. Nice, yeah, nice workaround. Like the stealthy ish. Yeah, they're keeping it stealthy, basically. Like the reason so, we have a morph ball and not Samus calling. Right, exactly. As a workaround, or why uh, Luigi's green? Oh, why are you more with that? Exactly. <laughs> it has a mustache. But anyway, so yeah, so um, so the whole game's got this kind of snowy look to it, which I'm actually. Kind of curious to see how that looks because it's like how you do dark snow, but because it's dark out. But anyway, so, um, so yeah, uh, so there's two parts of Gotham you can explore. 
Which, they're saying the game's double the size of the past Upper games. Gotham and Lower Gotham. No, New Gotham and Old Gotham. Oh, of course. Old Gotham is actually where Arkham Prison gets built eventually. So you're in Arkham before it's Arkham, which is where how it ties into the Arkham games. You're in what was becomes a prison when it was just part of the city, before it's walled off. And then New Gotham is just another section that is more, you know, technologically, more modern and whatnot. So um, that's double the size of the game, and the gameplay itself will stay pretty true. I mean, yeah, they have the new world, but the actual gameplay, you still have predator mode, so you're still going to be able to, you know, sneak around and whatnot. You still have the core combat system. All that's staying the same. They're just adding a whole bunch of new gadgets and making little tweaks, t- uh, nits and tucks and stuff. So there's going to be some new Batman weapons at your disposal and gadgets. You're going to have a, uh, this one's actually really cool. You have a remote claw. Uh, Game Informer, who who has the exclusive on this, described it as kind of like the Just, Cla- Just Cause 2 grappling hook. Have you ever seen footage of Just Cause 2 where he's like, that just like grapples up and can like basically fly around oh. off a plane at like a system. Uh, so you're gonna have that, but you can also use it to like manipulate objects or hit multiple enemies at once, or like clump or like crash enemies into each other, stuff like that. And there's also this new crime and progress system, which kind of reminds me of Spider-Man Two back on the GameCube, where uh, I think it was GameCube, yeah, it was GameCube, where there's gonna be all sorts of little small crimes happening around the city, and if you walk on a side mission and stop them, you'll get you know stuff for doing so, but they're not. Like, you're doing your mission, but you can divert and do something else and then come back. Like, it's not super linear, so that's kind of neat. Most notably, though, Rocksteady, who made the first two games, is actually not developing Arkham Origins. Makes sense. I mean, they said they, they're were, doing they some, were done with Arkham They're Super doing, Wars. yeah, they're going to do probably, the rumor is Justice League. Or something. Or something. something. But, so while they work on whatever it is for whatever system... Oh, DC is getting busy. Yeah, they are. But what, so while, yeah, they're getting very busy. And whatever they're doing that's keeping them busy, WB Machu. Yeah. Oh, that's a different development team now. No, yeah, but in yeah. general. But yeah, WB Montreal, the guys who actually did the port of, uh... The Wii U? Uh, yeah, of Arkham City on Wii U. They are handling the entire development for uh, Arkham Origins. Which, to me, means uh, basically a confirmation that we're going to have a ton of cool gamepad features. Because that's one of the things I've heard is the best thing about... Arkham City on Wii U is the gamepad features. It uses it in some clever ways. So I imagine... Off-TV play? Off-TV play, that's not that clever. But, like, controlling <laughs> controlling objects remotely with the gamepad. Uh, like, all sorts of heat note, vision. But... Like, all sorts of stuff. So all that, I imagine, would make it to the Wii U version. But we don't know for sure. They haven't confirmed it. But I'm sure we'll find out way before the game comes out on October 25th. And that's across all systems. Really? Yeah. Another game in October? Yeah, and the same day as the Wii U version, there's also a 3DS spin-off of this origin story coming out. Uh, launching alongside is Batman Arkham City, or sorry, Batman Arkham Origins Blackgate, which is a 2D, 2.5D tile, kind of in the style of Metroidvania. It's, you know, that's, so it's side-scrolling, has a giant overworld, there's multiple rooms and paths, you're collecting items to upgrade, you're finding enemies, you're exploring, it's that Castlevania Metroid vibe when i first heard about these games i was under the impression that they were both 2d oh no 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 or normal origins is straight up arkham yeah this is a spin-off and the honestly the most exciting part of this to me and i'm i honestly think i'm more interested in this one than the the console definitely one more accessible is that what definitely more accessible yeah but not even that is who's behind it the developers that are doing it are a team called armature studio and while you may not know the name you certainly know the people because it's three of the lead designers from the Metroid Prime trilogy. They oh, left right. Retro Studios in 2009. They formed Armature well, they Studio. Know... Yeah, they know how to make a Metroidvania-style game. Well, from the Metroid. Well, Met- yeah, but Metroidvania is yeah, the, yeah. the genre. But, yeah, because uh, what happened was these three guys left 2009. They formed Armature Studio. It was, I believe, 
uh, the art director of Metroid Prime, the design director, and the technology engineer. So pretty high up guys. They weren't just like you know the guys that code or whatever. These were the guys that <laughs> sang the video. They got the mid texture. Yeah, and they went and they formed their own company. And they originally were working under EA's. Uh, I forgot the name of the label was, but basically it was like we'll publish games by all these developers and give them full credit and just act as publisher and kind of like how they published Orange Box for Valve. Yeah. Like kind of like that, but that didn't pan out. The game never surfaced. Then coincidentally, the same day that uh, Blackgate was announced, Maverick Hunter was leaked by Polygon. And that was a first-person Metroid Prime-style Mega Man game. That's worth uh, going to Polygon and reading the article about. And it was it was only a prototype for six months, but that's what Armature was working on at some point. And then no one knew what happened. They never had a public game announcement until now where they're doing Arkham Origins Blackgate. Because they definitely needed to know that there was another Mega Man game in the works. Just that got canceled. Exactly. That makes but three? That makes three. Four. Three. Uh, Legends 3 online Mega Man Universe Mega Man oh yeah Universe is what I meant by online and now this one yeah yeah. oh and the MMO in Japan and that they're gonna launch in Korea so four yeah oh, wow. but uh yeah so these guys know their stuff and by the way about Maverick Hunter real quick I strongly recommend there's video and a pretty good write up on Polygon about this game it really was like Mega Man's answer to Metroid Prime um we have a link to the article on the blog post for this episode episode 41 The Bird's the Word so go there scroll down to the news section you can Go over a polygon and read it. It's it's interesting stuff. It's always interesting to see things that never come to be. But Origins Blackgate. Back to that real quick. So um, the game, like I said, Metrovania. Uh, however, they're gonna do things a little differently in the sense that there's not gonna be rooms you have to save in, which is like a core thing. You know, the Metrovanias, you always have to go to a specific place to save. You can save anywhere, and they're also gonna be playing around a little with the uh, the capabilities of the 3DS and the perspectives and whatnot. So the game's going to juggle multiple planes. You can be in the background, you can be in the foreground, you can be in the middle ground, which where most of it will be. Yeah, uh, 3DS, well. yeah exactly. <laughs> and it's going to, you know, um, there's going to be things like, uh, sorry, I lost my train of thought here. That Oh yeah, that's gameplay. Sorry, I just yeah. like totally spaced out. They're also going to be doing um, the what? story, naturally. That Wow, <laughs> I'm falling apart. They're going to have a plot. <laughs> And, Let me and the buttons will do stuff. Yes. You have a plot and things will happen. No, well, I was going to say... It's Batman and they want your money. Well, the so. plot... The, I just got to really quick say that the plot picks up right where Origins leaves off when it ends. And you're sent to Blackgate Penitentiary on that remote island, which is that's on, to quell whatever issues going on over there. And they're going to tell the whole story through uh, 2D animatics, which are moving storyboards. So it's going like to be like an animated comic book, kind of. That's what I was going to say. I just totally, like, died there. Happens to the best of us. I know. I know. But yeah, so that's uh, that's the Batman. <laughs> uh, well, they also have another... Well, actually, Batman was kind of still involved. In yeah. Stealth it was, stealth but, stealth and, stealth. yeah, but a bigger... One of the, one of the grand... One of the, yeah, one of the grand eyes of stealth is also coming to Wii U now. Which is uh, Splinter Cell. They're Black releasing the new Splinter Cell Blacklist on Wii U on the same day as its counterpart, which is a nice, refreshing change of pace that Batman's also doing. Uh, so Ubisoft and Nintendo announced it the other week, and uh, this new Splinter Cell, just a little background, Sam Fisher's back at being a spy. He's no longer being renegade or whatever, going rogue or whatever. Basically the gameplay that didn't really work. For yeah, exactly. Well, sort of. They're kind of keeping that. So he's, yeah. he's back in the spy game. He's uh, in a new military division called the Fourth Echelon, and he's fighting against a new type of terror threat. Or something. Um, however, unlike past player cells, 
except that one that didn't fit the franchise. He's not all about stealth anymore. So Blacklist is actually going to be more open-ended and let players approach how they want to handle situations in different ways. So Ubisoft lumps these into a couple different categories. There's the ghost approach, which is uh, relying on exploration and data collection without killing. So that's like super stealth. So it's kind of like Hitman where you could go yeah, like Hitman. Blazing, yeah, or you could go all super stealth yeah, and kill anyone. Like, exactly, it'd be like Hitman. There's, so um, the other two ones are assault, which is more of a shoot first, ask questions later kind of running gun. Once again, kind of like the different options in Hitman. And then the third one, I love the name, Panther, which is uh, using stealth to kill. To me, Panther is what Splinter Cell is. Use, use, use stealth to kill in all the other, uh, the original Splinter Cell, which is an awesome game, by the way. I had it on GameCube, really loved it. But, um, it's one of those games I wish I'd played. Yeah, it's really fun. I could give you the disc but, for a little um, bit if you want. Espionage stealth games weren't really that my forte. Uh, see, I, it's weird because Metal Gear, like that's super espionage, and I'm kind of I haven't played it in depth, so I can't say for sure if I like it or not. But Splinter Cell is like a little more action. I, I, I would give it a try. I, actually, this might be the game too. Like, Blacklist. Yeah, that I would. Yeah. Think. I mean, I don't know. I hey, and it has some really cool gamepad so uses actually. To it. Right, and it has some cool gamepad uses that actually match the whole spy motif. Like, you know, you are spies, so naturally you have gadgets. And the Wii U edition, the gamepad will be in control of those gadgets. So you're going to control Sam Fisher's, uh, what they call the OPSAT, which is like basically interacting with the environment and your gadgets. So you're going to be using touch and motion for handling uh, sticky cams and drones and snake cams and positioning them and moving them and controlling them. You're going to also be able to use um, the gamepad screen for a map, obviously, but you can mark enemies on the map. Like You can like flag them so you can track them if you choose to be a panther. You can uh, also do quick weapon switching and reloading, which are pretty standard, you know, second screen uses. But still, what, this and, like, Deus Ex, games that, like, are tech-oriented and use the gamepad in, like, a techie way really feel like the best fit, you know? Yeah. At least on a Watch surface Dogs. level. At least on Watch Dogs as well. Definitely Watch Dogs. At least on, like, a surface level, it makes the most sense. I mean, obviously, Nintendo Land does it in all sorts of creative ways. But on, like, in terms of just, like, when you see a gamepad and go, like, oh, it's my all-in-one spy device, I, that makes sense. So Blacklist, like I said, it's coming out the same day as the others, which is August 20th. Busy month in August. Mario, Luigi, Pikmin, and Blacklist. And it's actually being developed by Ubisoft Shanghai, while the main version of the game is being developed by Ubisoft Toronto. So, I don't know if they did the B... I I don't know if it's a B team, so to speak, like the lesser developer or what, but it is interesting that they're going to a different developer for this. They're farming it out to their Shanghai team. Too many games in a close period of time. Oh, and we're not I, done yet. I we're need, not done yet. I need more space between Animal Crossing and all these other games, just because yeah. that's also like a big time sink. You have plenty of space. Animal Crossing, then Game & Wario, then nothing till August. That's good. Yep. But back to um, back to what's coming out in August, here's another one. This one isn't quite as interesting, but Nintendo's making a huge deal of it because it's exclusive to their platforms and it's a big Disney property. And that's a game version of the upcoming Planes movie, which for the record... Yeah. For the record... Disney, don't rip off your own movie and then give it to your not-Pixar team. Like, I don't, Anyway, so it's going to be available exclusively on all current Nintendo systems. That's Wii U, Wii, 3DS, and DS. And actually, you know, all things considered, never mind that's tied into the movie. It sounds kind of like a Disney Pilot Wings. Like, it could potentially be okay. So in all versions of the game, which will basically follow the movie and expand on its plot, you're going to be flying 40 different missions in the single-player mode as characters from the film. The console version has 10 characters, the handheld versions have 6 characters. And on top of that, the console versions for Wii and Wii U have a free flight mode and a racing mode called Air Rallies. Free, fr- free flight combined with the missions sound an awful lot like 
pilot wings. But more fleshed out? Possibly. Well, well I'm thinking 64 part pilot yeah, wings. Yeah, resort. Yeah. yeah, resort was not very fleshed out, but it was fun while it lasted. Uh, the handheld editions, meanwhile... Oh my God. 99 it's an awesome game. Yeah, but I paid 40 Wow. Uh, the handheld editions of like planes. The handheld editions of planes uh, are going to have bonus modes and a challenge mode, not free flight. So if you want free flight, if you want your true pilot wings, you probably want it on Wii U or Wii. Game hits on August sixth, three days before the movie. Like I said, if it's anything like, I know, right? If it's anything like pilot wings, I'm down. If it's too much Dane Cook's voice, because he is his voice is in the game, because he's the main character in the movie, I'm immediately burning it. Like, I, it's it's a very fine line, but it, so I, like I said, it's only worth mentioning because Nintendo really, like, made a big deal out of this, and we covered it. Nintendo. Nintendo will tell if this um, franchise takes flight, or it will crash and burn. Well done. Yeah. Well done. You know yeah, I'm on a roll. Yeah, anyway, much more exciting news than Planes is, uh, I, we mentioned at the top of the show, this conference in Madrid called Idea Me, which... Mm-hmm. Idea me. <laughs> what? Idea me? I think it was called Idea me. Yeah, it is. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's the English language barrier for you. It might stand for something. I don't know. But what it was is Nintendo. Well, that's actually, someone's asking for an idea. Like, yeah. Like, idea hit, me. Yeah, hit me. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah no, they're, uh, Nintendo hosted this thing in Madrid. It was basically a little mini conference for indie developers to show off their games and to meet with Nintendo and find out how they can, and people that are interested in working with Nintendo on the indie scene, how they can bring their games to the platform. So at the conference, a couple new things were announced that are worth mentioning. Uh, first up is a roller coaster building game from Frontier Development, who you may know as the developer of the excellent Lost Wings. Or, or, Lost Wings. Wind. Lost Winds. I'm still on planes. The excellent Lost Winds 1 and 2 for WiiWare and eventually iOS, as well as uh, the developers of Roller Coaster Tycoon 3. Hmm. So this, this game they're making, which is a roller coaster game, Makes sense considering they know how to make roller coasters. Why not call it Tycoon Force? Because they don't own the rights of Atari. Makes sense. <laughs> yes, but so the new game is not called Tycoon Force. It's called Coast- Coaster Crazy Deluxe. It's actually uh, a port of an iOS game, and it's going to be coming to the Wii U shop later this year. And it's going to require players not just to build roller coasters, but to build specific coasters with specific traits in order to please the crazies, which are a group of random characters and loony people who have all these crazy requests. I'm not kidding. So it's like, uh, in other words, it's a challenge mode, really. That, I think that's the easiest way to say it. It's a challenge mode. They're just saying you have to build a roller coaster with this stipulation or that. So, it's, you know, it's things like... These safety regulations. Well, some of them do and some of them don't. Because some of the, the, the things are, you know, it's things like certain speed or certain hitting a certain low G, like staying within a certain number of Gs, or like, here's a good one, making sure passengers don't get mobbed by zombies on the ride. Okay. Yeah. That, that, yeah. That was yeah. 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 Uh, so yeah, all that. That's the like meat of the game. Of course, there is. Or maybe you have to have zombies there, but you have to make sure they don't get mauled. Just probably. Yeah. And of course, but like I was saying, of course, there is gonna be a uh, uh, sandbox mode where you can just do whatever you want and build whatever you want. So, but the only way you can get new stuff to play within the sandbox mode is by doing these challenges in the main game, because that unlocks you know new pieces, new cars, new tracks. Across ten different locations around the world, so uh, all the coaster buildings gonna be done on the gamepad. In fact, the trailer they released for it doesn't even show the TV at all, so I don't even know if it needs a TV. But um, you're using either the touchscreen or a combination of sticks and buttons to do it to build, and you can also look at the coast like from the coaster in first person perspective just by moving the gamepad around, like as if you're sitting on the, the coaster. That's kind of neat. Yeah. yeah. 
So, um, and you can also, this one I don't know why you need to, if you need to eject one of the crazies from your ride, you just flick the gamepad up and they fly off the ride. <laughs> I don't understand. I don't understand why. But on the more normal, logical side of this game, it will have online leaderboards. It's also going to have daily challenges. So it actually sounds pretty fleshed out. And uh, it doesn't have a price or date yet. But, I mean, given Frontier's experience, Lost Winds is really good. I'd say it's worth keeping an eye on it whenever it comes, like, until it comes out. Or, you know, we'd follow along, it might be worth it. Plus, you gotta save the people from the zombies on the roller coaster, if nothing else. Man, that sounds like a grand old time. Yeah. I mean, Frontier, they're awesome guys. Like, Lost Winds is really fun, so. Yeah, yeah I've heard only good things about it. Yeah. Yet I never got it, so. And, and like I said, uh, Coaster Crazy is a part of an iOS game, which seems to be an emerging trend that was at Idumi. <laughs> like, the, <laughs> the, uh, there's also a port of a PC game coming to the Wii U eShop. And this game, this game actually got some buzz when it came out a few years ago. I actually ago. really wanted this game when I first heard of it. Yeah. But then I found out that I couldn't play it because I have a Mac. Yeah. So now you can. It's Tox- uh, Toxic mm. Games I is bringing Cube. That's Q, period, U, period, B, period, E, period. It's an acronym. Uh, to, <laughs> to the quirky, For quirky, unrealistic box exploration. Yeah, so it's coming to uh, Wii Wii Shop, like I said. It was originally released, as you point out, as a PC game. It's a puzzle platformer that has a, more than a slight resemblance to Portal. It just kind of came out at the same time. It's the same puzzle platformer, first person, very like white, sterile, yeah, scientific like, lab vibe. But instead of wormholes, you're dealing with colorful blocks. It almost looks like you're like, stacking Rubik's Cubes and stuff. Yeah, you have like this glove. Yeah, you have a glove that can move the blocks and whatnot. Which is really, it looks fun. It looks like... Yeah. I don't know... People getting this idea from the, I don't even know what to call it, the portal, the portal the, subgenre, the, por- the, 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 the portal the, toolbox. I the guess. fact that you can have a game, a first-person game that's not a violent shooter and actually do creative puzzles. Yeah, just it. like the more the merrier. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, it did get good reviews. It made back. It actually was one of the first games funded by this thing called the Indie Fund, where they got eighty thousand dollars to make this game back on PC way back when, and it made back all that eighty thousand dollars that they borrowed for the from the fund in four days. Wow. So, but yeah, it's um, it's bound to it's coming to Wii U at some point, but we don't know when. We don't know how much it's gonna cost. We don't know if it, what the Wii U exclusive features are. All we know is the developers at Toxic Games tweeted a photo of it running on a gamepad, and said, and then put out a press release saying, "Yeah, it's coming." I want it. So yeah, it seems cool. No. I'm interested. I mean, Portal's really cool, and this if even if it's yeah, not the same caliber, having this on the Wii is just a, a nice bonus, you know. But, um... More reason to have folders. Mm. Yeah, more reason to have folders. And there's actually another port happening. Many more ports. There's a trend of ports, which is interesting. There's a WiiWare port. No, actually, let's start with different All docking on the Wii U port? What? Port. Oh, all docking on the Wii U port, yeah. Yeah, so there's this uh, this WiiWare port from uh, a pretty familiar face on the Nintendo download scene, uh, Abilite. They do a whole bunch of DSiWare and a couple WiiWare games. They are uh, bringing over a WiiWare game they made called Fishamall to the Wii U eShop, and it, or sorry, not Wii U, to the 3DS eShop. We're switching systems now. They bring it to the 3DS eShop, and it's, called, it's now called Carps and Dragons, and it's a semi-sequel to the WiiWare title. So, like the, the original game, it was apparently pretty good for what it was. Um, you're on a 2D plane moving left and right, there's fish kind of coming at you, and you have to catch them with a net. So, like in the original, you know, you still got the fish flying at you, but now they've kind of added some stuff. There's dragons. It's in the name. Carps and dragons. 
Uh, the 3D effect obviously is used really well because they're coming at you. And they have three different modes now. There's an arcade mode where you're just trying to catch fish. There's a uh, challenge mode. And there's now Fishtress. Where you have to... Fish? Like Tetris. Where you have to oh. catch fish in a, of certain colors in certain orders. Alright. Which actually sounds a lot like the old Game & Watch like games. Where you have to do stuff like that. So, um, it's got to have two-player local multiplayer. And easier learning curve than the WiiWare version. And it's kind of 3S eShop at some point. More interestingly, though, Albright, or Abilite, sorry, is bringing Cut the Rope to 3DS. The excellent Cut the Rope mobile yeah. game. It's a fun game. And yeah, I so... I barely got to play because I don't have an iOS device. I thought you have it on your 3DS as DSiWare. Cut the Rope, no. Yeah, you do. I have Pan vs. Zombies. You want bet? I don't have Cut the Rope. You I want bet? Know, you want bet? I would I have your 3DS. Hang on. I know all... Let's have the sound up so people can hear me. I know all 58 apps that I have. Is it under eShop, I guess? Yeah, it would be under eShop. I don't have Cut the Rope. I could have sworn you had Cut the Rope. Yeah, I don't. I... Well, it's on DSiWare. My Switch Force! My Switch Force, random plug. It's <laughs> on uh, It's on DSiWare. Cut the Rope. No, I, I know it is. I just... Oh, you were gonna buy it, but you didn't. Yeah. There we go. Kind of because... That was a waste of everyone's time. My apologies. <laughs> anyway. Because no. you told me that, like, oh, it's only a book on iOS. Yeah. And I just kept like looking back and forth, and then it looks nicer on iOS, too. Well, here's the thing. This one's got to be closer to iOS, in a way. So, the 3DS cut the rope, which uh, Abilite's doing development. I think with the stylus, they seem more yeah. natural. Abilite's doing the development, and the uh, publishers that of cut the rope, the real creators, are going to publish it. So, um, unlike in the DSiWare one, you held, I believe you held the system sideways, and you were using one side to cut the rope, and the other to... Do whatever you know. Use touchscreen. This one you're holding it for. You're holding it like a normal 3DS. The top screen is gonna show Omnom, the little mascot guy, eating candy, and like it's like a 3D render of him. So it's totally pointless. And the bottom screen has the actual gameplay. But uh, you're gonna use the stylus to slice and dice, like you were saying, yeah. And the and and the game's gonna have all the iOS uh, levels plus the PC and Mac version special levels plus online leaderboards and achievements. Plus, I mean pluses. No, that's it. But online leaderboards and achievements, that's not bad. So, I can say because I have it on my iPhone. If you've never played Cut the Rope uh, and you don't have a smartphone to play it on, this get it. It's really good. When this comes out, it's totally worth it. Wait, did it say how much? No, it's not out for a while. They didn't announce the date or price, unfortunately. Oh. And these aren't the only ports, by the way. There are other WiiWare ports and other ports of the like coming here. There's a PC game called uh, Unepic. It's like a Metroidvania game that's coming to the Wii, the Wii U eShop. 3DS eShop, meanwhile, is getting uh, sin- the Sin and Punishment style Zombie Panic in Wonderland, if you remember that from WiiWare, as well as a zombie slashing game called Vampire Crystals, which is also from WiiWare, but now is Vampire Crystals Rebirth on 3DS. Like, there's a ton of ports of games, and honestly, it seems like, I know, a lot of people are like, oh, but they're ports, who cares? But the thing is, WiiWare... the same attitude, like, they're ports, who cares that they're ports? Yeah, Because, I mean, exactly. most of us didn't never had things to play them on, like... Yeah, because that's the thing, WiiWare... It was not easy to find games on at all. The Wii Shop channel was like, if you knew how to find a game, you could find it. But if you wanted to browse, so you had to. It would take forever. You'd go alphabetically, or like it wouldn't make sense. So especially WiiWare ports, more than anything else, it makes sense to me that they're bringing them to the 3DS and Wii U, where it's super accessible eShops that make it very easy to get hold of these games. Yeah, and so far the PC shop's doing pretty well. Yeah. Like Plus, I mean. Just because I played it on iPhone, cut the rope. Or you might have played... I don't even know what. Uh, or someone might have played on Epic or Cube. Or you could have just said... On any, PC. Any, any of the Wii U launch games, like Arkham City or... 
Assassin's Creed, if you, I mean, even though they were your old, I mean, we never played them. Cause, yeah. yeah, yeah, just because, like, not everyone has every platform, so, especially with Nintendo's new web framework, where they're making it super easy to port games, it's very low money loss for a developer to just go, you know what, I'm just going to toss this on there. I mean, if it makes a couple thousand, sure, that's a couple thousand I didn't have, and, and new people can't really experience their mentality it. for some reason. Well, well, I'm talking for, indie. Well, indie. That's why Nintendo Web Framework, I think, is so genius, which we talked about tons last episode. But because they, they're really like, here, it's like dirt cheap to port your game. Just do it. You'll make some money. It's easy. But yeah, no, retail's a whole other thing because there's marketing, there's distribution. Yeah. They have to have a whole team dedicated. These are like a couple people doing this. But yeah, I think, I think it's just a very easy way for them to expand their audience. But there are two um, indie games that we've talked about before that uh, a couple big developments... First up, Shovel Knight, which we talked about the last couple episodes, oh, has met all its stretch goals on Kickstarter. So first of all, congratulations, Yacht Club Games. That's really cool. They made like quadruple the money they asked for. Yeah, they wanted, really I awesome. think, seventy five, and they made three hundred thousand. Yeah, yeah, they want seventy five thousand, not seventy five dollars. Here's seventy five dollars. No, they want seventy five thousand. They made three hundred thousand. So last episode, we mentioned that with the stretch goals they set up to get to that three hundred, three hundred eleven thousand, to be specific. With the um, stretch goals they set up, they added a couple things like a playable boss character, a new game plus mode that's harder and lets you keep all the items. Now, however, with all this extra money, they've met every single goal, and that means a whole slew of new options. So there are two other playable boss characters now. There's going to be a gender swap. That's the hero be female. Kind of following after that uh, hack that guy did to switch Mario and, and Pauline in the original Donkey Kong because oh. his daughter wanted to play as the girl. Uh, there's a challenge mode that's gonna have, you know, you beat levels with certain goals. There's a multiplayer battle mode, which is actually the biggest, in which all the boss player, boss characters are playable. They're basically duking it out in a maze, local play, local multiplayer only, free for all. Yeah. That's a lot of stuff, considering, I mean, this is an eShop game on 3DS and Wii U, and it has a full side-scrolling adventure and all this other stuff. I mean, honestly, I wasn't, I mean, it looked... Fun, but it looked I, fun, but, I didn't but I'm, I'm not. I'm not too big on um like NES aesthetic that NES aesthetic games. Yeah, I was kind of. On, I was like when but, I saw, it, I'm like, oh, this is neat. But then yeah. as I started, yeah, the, the amount of content makes me really want it. It's exciting now. Yeah. It's like it's cool. It's different. But the uh, the other big success story off Kickstarter involving Nintendo indie games is. Uh, do you remember way back when the Wii was about to come out? We talked about a game called Cloudberry Kingdom. It was a 2D platformer with randomly generated levels. And the game was supposed to dynamically scale to the dif- to the difficulty or to your skill set. So if you're really good at platforming, you'll get really hard. If you weren't so good, it'd be pretty casual and easy. The game was supposed to be out at launch then supposed to be out at launch window, that kind of disappeared for a while. Now I know now we know why. Ubisoft has picked it up as publisher. Uh-oh. So they're gonna be bringing it no, no, no. <laughs> Pawnee Studios, the guys that are doing it, are still doing it completely on their own, from my understanding. But Ubisoft will handle publishing, marketing, distribution, that sort of thing. And they're also going to enable it to be on more than just whatever platform is originally set for. Now it's going to be on Wii U as well as, um, you know, the other HD consoles and PCs and whatnot. So it's still going to have the same setup in terms of scaling difficulty, randomly generated levels, so you're never playing the same game twice. Kind of a cartoony aesthetic. And they confirmed when they announced this news that it's going to support three inputs for if you're playing on the Wii. You can use the gamepad, presumably with off-TV play, but they didn't say... You can use the Wii Remote, and you can use the Pro Controller. So really, whatever suits your fancy. But right. still, this really shows the power of Kickstarter and like the rising indie scene. Is you have one one developer quadruples the money it wants, and the other one, or a little less than quadruples, and the other one gets picked up by Ubisoft. That's not bad. 
And that's pretty cool. I know. If you just go on Kickstarter and just look at all the projects that are coming up, some of these games look really good or like really Yeah, and it, so. it's crazy for us. Like, just a little note about how we do the show. It's crazy for us because we try... The goal of this podcast, I'd say, correct me if I'm wrong, okay. the goal, to some extent, is to not just like talk about the big news, like when we did Nintendo Direct, but also to expose some of the lesser stuff you may not know about if you're, you know, just kind of casually reading Nintendo news or whatever. Like, you may miss out on on Epic or Cube or Fishamall sequel Carp and Dragons, you know. You can miss out on things. So anything that could potentially be of interest, we try and cover. But with Kickstarter, it's getting really hard to do that because there are, like, a million games now. So it's like we have to find a line because everyone's like, oh, if I hit my stretch goal, I may bring it to Wii U. So we're trying to find this line of, like, when do we cover it? And I think the best... Please, actually, leave your comments on... The blog post for this episode, once again, episode 41, The Birds Were. Let us know if you think we're doing the right approach to this, what I'm about to say. Or if you have a suggestion of how we better cover indie games, because they're, the they're the big thing on Wii U now. So it's important that we do. But we're getting to the point where it's like, do we cover them only when they're officially coming to Wii U? Which I think is the best approach in my mind, since otherwise they may, you know, it might be a waste of breath. Or do you guys want to know about them as soon as they have a chance of coming to Wii U? Because we could very easily just do like a Kickstarter corner like Jason Sales Corner, every so often, and just be like, here's what's on the way, here's a couple sentences about them. Like, so really, if you have any preference one way or another, please let us know in the comments. It'd be greatly appreciated, and help us better shape the show to what you guys want to hear. Now, one thing that I know Jose doesn't particularly care about, <laughs> but, uh... He Jason already... Sales Corner! Yes, exactly. So, speaking of things that some people may or may not well, want like to hear... Well, I'd like to know the, the over... The overarching message. Yeah, the overarching message. I just message. get into the like... to as evidence to back the message, yeah. yeah. So... We haven't done this in a month because it's been a month since the sales came out. But it's time for Jason Sales Corner. It's a double E Jason Sales Corner. Mm, we, have NPD, we have March NPD numbers, and to coincide with those, we have Nintendo releasing actual, for once, eShop numbers. So, downloads. Are they so good? Are they they're bad? good, actually. They're very mm. good. So, let's start with NPD on general industry level. So, NPD Group said that this March, sales across the industry dropped 10% compared to March of 2012. They've so been dropping for a long time. They have. It's like a weird downward cycle. Uh, I downward, Yeah. <laughs> nice done, nicely done. But um, software actually saw a 2% rise in sales. Probably because the big name tiles were out this month. You know, you had Bioshock, Tomb Raider, even like Luigi's Mansion. Uh, but hardware specifically fell 32%, which is bad. Interestingly, though, it, uh, but, but the one exception is the 3DS. The 3DS actually rose, saw sales increase, a sales increase of 9%, which means that the 3DS is now over 8 million systems sold in the U.S. Or, well, Nintendo reconfirmed it. I think they've said it before. But they were making a point that it's past 8 million, Ooh. which is pretty good. It's, wow. it's a million more than the DS had at, it's, at this point in its life. It's a million ahead of That's the really DS. Good. Yeah, but the DS was kind of struggling until the DS Lite came out. So it's not oh, really we'll see if it well, it wasn't it struggling. Up. It just wasn't, you know, amazing. But um, Nintendo, like, Nintendo and MPD didn't publicly reveal exactly how many 3DS systems were sold in March alone, but the internet being the leaking machine that is, it's suggesting numbers of around 230,000 for March. So that's, nine, that's nine, like I said, 9% increase, 8 million in the US, it's a million head DS, so it's doing well. Software-wise, Nintendo has actually been having some super solid success stories beyond just the 3D, like the, you know, the 3DS is ahead of the DS. Uh, both retail and eShop wise it's doing quite well so Luigi's Mansion Dark Moon managed to sell 365,000 retail copies that was in the week or so two week period that was on the charts so that's not bad it came in 6th place for the month on the top 10 overall considering it's only on one platform while most of the other games are on multiple platforms pretty good Uh, 
you know, this was a month that I had, like I said, Bioshock was the number one game of the month, still like 829,000 units. Tomb Raider is number two, Gears of War is number three, Luigi managed to hold in there on the 3DS at number six. And when you factor in eShop downloads, Luigi actually has a current running sales total of 415,000 units. So, yeah, so 365 were retail, the remainder were eShop, which is not bad. Uh, Pokemon Mystery Dungeon didn't get in the top 10 chart, not sure where it placed, but it did manage to sell 145,000 copies across eShop and retail. And Fire Emblem sold an additional 64,000 copies, retail and eShop, which brings its like-to-date sales since it launched in February to 240,000, only 10,000 away from being the best-selling Fire Emblem game in North America. It's going to reach that. It's going to easily reach that. And what's really interesting about Fire Emblem, actually, is a third of all those sales are eShop, an entire third, which if you think about it, digital is still a new frontier. Like The fact that a third of them are eShop is pretty impressive. Although, I wonder how much of that was due to the February shortage. People caving like and just... 10% saying, yeah, of them probably. About. But... The diehards wouldn't. <laughs> yeah. Like, we wouldn't if we... we right, yeah, yeah, I insisted on waiting for... I actually got it really easily. I don't know why everyone's having trouble. I got. I walked in the Best Buy, bought a copy, and walked it out. It depends on the area, I guess. Yeah. I mean, I, I got the last I mean, copy. I couldn't find one until... Yeah. Many, many, and I mean, like I said, I did get the last copy. later. But... But yeah, so even if you disregard the Fire Emblem, thir- the third Fire Emblem sales from eShop being like, oh, it's the shortage, whatever, because some people obviously think that. Overall, 3DS sales are doing, game sales are doing super well digitally and retail. So there's a 55% jump in game sales for 3DS in, in this March compared to last March. That That's a pretty big number. Uh, that means to date, in the two years the 3DS has been out, it has sold 20 million games. 20 million 3DS games have been sold. In those two years, which is pretty high. Uh, what's particularly noteworthy, though, and good for Nintendo, is that eShop se- eShop sales are playing a much, much, much larger role than ever. Uh, Reggie Fizeme, Nintendo America's president, was uh, talking with Games Industry International, you know, hyping up their eShop sales, and he was revealing some interesting numbers that uh, they're of all the first-party eShop games on the eShop. Yeah. <laughs> all the, let me rephrase. All, of all the first-party 3DS games, like physical games, that are also available on the eShop, 11% of, them, of their sales are now coming from the eShop. In other words, a, a roughly a tenth of all first-party Nintendo games, people are like, I don't need the box, and are just buying digital. Which, considering how many people like physical media, that's, that's, kind of, like, that's kind of crazy that they're able to hit that number. And I mean, specifically... Uh, here, let's put it another way, because, I, I mean, it sounds kind of crazy, but at the same time, it's kind of like, well, 10%, 11%, that's like a tenth, that's not much. I mean, I feel like the app generation has kind of conditioned some people to not care about yeah, but even, Yeah, yeah, but even then, like, you could argue, well, a tenth isn't much, a tenth out of however many yeah. copies. So, let, let's put it a different way. Uh, Scott Moffat, one of NOA's VPs, uh, was saying that 20%, a fifth of all Star Fox 64 sales in 2013, and a fifth of... 20% of all Ocarina of Time 3D sales in 2013 were digital. They put them on the eShop this year, and now, only like a m- couple months ago, and now they already represent a fifth of all their sales, which isn't bad, saying they're still on shelves everywhere. And in some cases, they're cheaper physically than re- digitally. You know, yeah. if, if they run a sale yeah, if at Prize or something. get it used or anything like yeah, that. Yeah, 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 like a fifth of people are like, I'll just buy it, I'll just download it. Which, you know, that's pretty big. Convenience is a pretty and you, big... Yeah. And even more casual games like Art Academy or Brain Age, which digital makes sense, yeah, they're seeing anywhere from fifteen to twenty five percent of their sales being strictly digital. 
So that's still like you know a quarter of people buying Brain Eater during it digitally. That's not bad. So in all, the eShop has served up 41 million downloads. That's from games to demos to free apps. Everything on the eShop combined, 41 million. Man, that's a lot. Six, 67% of 3DS owners are online. So only two-thirds of 3DS owners have actually downloaded those 41 million. Imagine if all of them were on. Just a thought. More money. But I, I think really what this is, in my mind, is it's kind of like, well, better late than never, Nintendo, because they did not do well with DSiWare and WiiWare in terms of sales or like embracing digital. But now the eShop, they clearly reposition. They clearly focus on... You know, curated content, really getting big indie games, getting interesting, quirky, like, first-party Nintendo stuff that wouldn't normally get released. And it's paying off. I mean, you know, they're having success. They're transitioning into digital quite well. And I think it's going to mean even more digital stuff in the future, be it, you know, weird experimental first-party games or even more lavish DLC, kind of like new Super Luigi U, but for other franchises and other series. So the reason I bring this up, the reason I went through all that, is it's working. Digital's working for Nintendo. They, they're finally on board. It's finally paying off, and that means we're going to see a lot more cool stuff digitally from them. Because honestly, half the eShop exclusive titles in time are released, Don't Join Western, uh, Tokyo Crash Mob, Pushmo, I don't know if they would have made them if they had to hit a certain sales projection based on some distribution of having a retail game. Like, the fact that they have this avenue to do it, and it's working, that's good. Good job, Nintendo. Thumbs up, Nintendo. Good job. I mean, they're nowhere near Apple's success in terms of downloads. Like, yeah, Apple downloaded billions upon billions of apps, but, There's you know. Apple's yeah. But, I mean, that's 3DS. Of course, that's only 3DS. The Wii U is kind of, well, it's in the same situation it's been for a while. So, no public figures were announced for the Wii U. Hardware or it's software. Selling. Yeah, no, nothing. Hardware or software for the Wii U. Literally, the press release from Nintendo was like, the Wii U's picking up momentum with uh, Resident Evil and blah, 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 and, you know, JSX and whatnot in April, and then E3 in June. So they're like, yeah, we, we have nothing to report now, but we'll have something in a couple months. Stay tuned. Mm-hmm. But, of course, because it's the internet, like I said before, things leak. But before I get to the leak, I do want to mention, even though March had Wii U games, new Wii U games, Lego City, Monster Hunter, Need for Speed, none of them, un- not surprisingly, none of them charted on the overall sales chart. Too niche, I guess. Yeah, well, it's just Monster not big enough. There's just nowhere near big enough install base to even chart. You'd have to sell like a couple hundred thousand at least to get on that top ten chart. So we all know what the yeah, game Monster sold. So but what we do know, thanks to leaks, is the system sold 67,000 units in March. Which is around the same number it supposedly sold in February, suggesting that Monster Hunter, Lego City, whatnot, did not actually sell the system at all. And Nintendo is banking. They had said as much. They were hoping Lego City would be a system seller, and it seems like it might not have done that. Which, I would just like to gloat for a second. I kind of predicted it would be the case, because, yeah. But, uh, here's a little perspective on how Wii is doing, though. So, um, like I said, 67,000 in March, supposedly. Xbox 360 confirmed moved 261,000. That's a little bit more than 67,000. Uh, more than a little, obviously. I was saying that. But if you look historically... Uh, the Wii U is so far selling about 28% slower than what the GameCube did in its first five months on the market. Because this is month, March is month five for the Wii U. So 28% less than GameCube, and approximately half of, it's at half the pace of what both the Wii and the Nintendo 64 sold during their first five months. Um, however, on the plus side, it's only 10% less than what the Xbox 360 and the PS3 sold in their first five months. But those were more expensive systems. So, 
it's kind of, you know, there's two sides to every coin here. The, so, so really it just boils down to, is this a problem? Is the Wii U a problem Nintendo needs to address? And I think we made it clear this episode that, yes, it is. These sales, you know, these sales can't last at this rate. It's bad. Uh, you know, what should they do about it? Should they fix it now? Ideally, they should. But like we said earlier, it's possible they're doing some sort of relaunch or major shakeup or revamp or something of the Wii U, and we won't see anything until E3. The fact of the matter is, Nintendo seems willing to let it keep underperforming like this right now, so I guess that's what we've got to deal with. They have some sort of plan. And I, I mean, whatever it takes to ensure a steady stream of games down the road, if that's what they need to do, that's what they need to do. I mean, it's hard to say what they're going to do, but there's no doubt that they need to address this. Wii U's doing great. 3DS, I mean, sorry. 3DS is doing great. Wii U, they definitely have to address. So it's really a mixed bag this month. 3DS, like, super successful. Wii U, super not successful. <laughs> and that's Jason's Sales Corner. So, and that's news, actually. So, uh, but I guess we should jump to, we should probably jump to what we're playing, which is really what you're playing, Jose, because I haven't been playing anything we haven't talked about yet in these past two weeks. So, it's all you, because you, sir, have Toki Tori 2. Yep. That game I said I wasn't really planning on buying, I ended up buying it. <laughs> yeah, I remember, I remember when I came over here once, and it was just on the TV, I'm like, you bought it? Yeah, I, I actually remember I had a, I was having a conversation with you, and that day I told you, uh, you asked me again, oh, are you going to get it? It's looking really good. And I'm like, no, I don't think so. Yeah, and literally, I come literally here and that, here. Literally that night, I just, I don't know, I just read you more about it. it, looked up some stuff. and So what do you, so you think of it? Well, it's really good. Way better than what I expected. Well, and quick, I, quick summary. So, um, do I just describe what it is for people yeah. who don't know? So Tokitori 2 is, it's a puzzle game at its core. Yeah. It's... It plays kind of like a, platform, a 2D side-splitting platformer. Mm-hmm. And your only commands are chirping and stomping. And using those two mechanics, you those two actions, you have to maneuver your way through an environment using either bubbles shot out by lizards or using calling a bird over to carry over mm-hmm. a little hill or even, I don't know, tempting crabs to come near you or run away from you. And... Even though you're only doing these two things, they find so many different ways or ways to combine them so that it feels difficult and different but fresh the whole time. Right. But what struck me as the most interesting thing about the game was this representation. Yeah, the presentation. Yeah. Like, aside from just looking really good, it's very vibrant and colorful. It looks like a cartoon in motion. Yeah. I was watching you play. It looks like a cartoon. Even like, the really? areas that are in like a, a cave. Like a 3D cartoon. Yeah, even the areas that are in a cave where it's pitch dark and you can't see anything except for the mm-hmm. Tokitori. Um, even those look really good. They just did really well with the animations and just right. the way it looks. But it's very, um, how I, I alluded to earlier, how there's like no text. There's no, they don't teach you anything about the game yeah. through handholding or anything. You have to figure everything out on your own. They, they, they seem, do they ease you in at least? Like, is it easy at first and then you kind of learn new things as you go? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, the only, I mean, as the game starts, I really mm-hmm. love how it opens. Like, you're... You're with your other fellow chicks, and you're just walking along, mm-hmm. and then um, the title screen pops up, which is literally the only text you'll see in the whole game. And then as you're walking, like, um, these, I'm, what I'm assuming is oil, like, starts erupting from the ground and creating geysers, and then you get separated from your flock, and... Oh, no. And then eventually, like, pretty much, like, the only way you could progress forward, they make it so you have to do, like, one action at a time. Okay, right. like, okay, I have to get over this obstacle. And since those are your only commands, you're kind of forced to use them. And it even goes into, like, how they teach you the menu options. Because when I went to the menu the first time, I was like, okay, what is this? What does this do? What am I using this for? Because mm-hmm. there was, like, a bunch of pictures. I, I didn't... I had forgotten there was a Tokitori Dex or the Tori Dex or... Right. Which is, just as a 
pressure. It's uh, basically, you. If, correct me if I'm wrong, you hold up the gamepad, you can take a picture, or you activate it, and you can use the gamepad to viewfinder to take pictures of enemies, and they get info on the enemy in this little, like, Pokedex yeah. style. But, thing. I mean, so far I haven't gotten any info on the enemy, just a picture of it. Oh, I thought you got info. Because, <laughs> I mean, then there would be text. Oh, good point. <laughs> well, I'll get to how that works in a little bit. Yeah, sorry. I just but, um, to... so as you're learning how to play, like, you think, like, okay, how am I going to, how are they going to convey, like, the different things on the menu yeah. and stuff like that, but you'll come across little birds that chirp out little patterns. And the way the chirping works, if you just tap it, if you just tap A, mm-hmm. um, you'll do a high-pitched chirp, which is represented by a small musical note. But mm-hmm. if you hold A, it makes a giant one that's lower-pitched. And you could put them, like, a little small, big, small, big, or... Make because it's different combinations, yeah. And you can make... And it's really fun just to mash the chirping button. I, that's, I find <laughs> myself just doing that even when I'm not supposed to. I remember to. when I was watching you play, if you just hit it rapid-fire, if you do small notes, it goes up in scale... If you do oh. low notes, it goes down in scale. It's like the so little, it's kind of cool that it does like scales, yeah. Yeah, like it really didn't have to do that. But well, oh. hey, I mean, the game was supposed to be out at Wii U launch, oh. and that came out in April. So clearly, they were polishing it, and that's probably one of the ways they were doing. Yeah. You know, one of the things they just threw oh. in because they could. Yeah. But yeah, you're saying. Well, yeah. So I was saying, there's these little birds that appear, and they'll be chirping out like a little pattern, and they don't tell you what the pattern does or anything. You just copy them, and the first one you learn is how to basically restart a level it mm. looks like you just like explode because there will be parts <laughs> in the game where if you mess up yeah you won't be able to escape and then so they you trip to re- you do a certain trip pattern to restart yeah then, right? and then that trip pattern appears on the menu screen but it just has like a little symbol that has a restart symbol mm-hmm. i guess then then there's other tripping patterns and some are really creative or they just, like, mm-hmm. you never see them coming like the one i really like is eventually i don't know even though it's a 2d side-scrolling game I mean, you do go left and right a lot, so mm-hmm. you're traveling up and down. But you pass through all these gates, and it's kind of confusing as to, like, where you're going or whether you're really progressing mm-hmm. until you reach, like, this part of the game, which I'm not going to spoil. But you reach a certain point, and then later you're about you're, you're allowed to backtrack to you know, travel back into previous levels, which right. the game alludes to because there are certain objects that are out of reach early in the game, and you're like, okay, how am I supposed to get that? There's no way. Yeah. But the way that you handle... Fast travel is so cool, I think. Like, a giant bird kind of just picks you up, and then you have the overworld screen, and instead of just, like, selecting the level, just, like, hovering over and having it glow, and then you pick it, mm-hmm. um, you see the... You're looking at the world from the perspective of Tokitori. You see, so you see his legs looking down on the world, and then you move him around because the bird is flying him, so you're controlling the bird, and you see his little shadow, and then you just drop him, which is kind of cool. Yeah. But, no, no, overall, it's just... Short, but really fun, really simple. Re- it's one of those really simple games that could also be really hard. Depth. Yeah, it's like yeah. the uh, it's. Yeah. How much was it? Like ten, fifteen, nine oh, forty-five. Uh, it, it was fifty cents off, I think. Twelve. So whatever the original price is, it's fifty up. cents off. I forgot how much it was, but I think it was in the. But 10. that sales over now. Yeah, it was, oh, it was fourteen bucks. So it was thirteen seven, thirteen thirteen forty-nine. That sounds bad. That so would you say it's worth the price? Because you said it was short. Oh. But the production value is very good, so yeah, it's kind of like I, weighing the... I would say it's worth it if you really... I mean, if you love puzzle games, you'll find they'll be worth every cent. But if you're just looking for another game to fill your library with, you might want to wait until it's a little cheaper. Right. But That makes I, sense. I, I really like it. I mean, it, you definitely do get a lot of those aha moments when you're playing this game. Now, can you... It, by the way, the uh, US price normally is $15. Oh, yeah, so it was fourteen fifty when I got it. Yeah. Uh, do you, when you play, do you get... Uh, well, you didn't really try the Tokidex much, did you? Because I was going to ask, no, could those photos be put on Miiverse easily? Or? 
Like, mm-hmm. do they give you a second or so where it's just the photo? Oh, that's right. I didn't even get to explain that. All right, so basically, you learn a command, uh-huh. a tripping command, that makes a bird appear on the screen with holding a camera. And uh-huh. at that point, um, control of the character is lost, and all you have is the, the gyro and the on the gamepad mm-hmm. and that controls the birds so when you're looking at the gamepad you're looking at the viewfinder of the camera and you just literally take a picture at everything and everything you take a picture of goes on to a hanging rack of pictures mm-hmm. and that looks like they're developed in photos mm-hmm. and they're all Gosh. black and white but as far as I can tell they haven't really done anything you just see the picture of I wonder if they eventually develop like the more you play there is a black room a dark room. Black. Yeah, it's a dark room. Yeah, dark room, a black room. It's black. It's, red, it's, called, a, it's called a dark room, yeah. yeah. Well, there is one in there, and I've only been there once, so... I'm guessing you have to develop them, and then when you develop them, that's when you probably unlock the information about the yeah. enemies. But still, that's cool. Like, uh... Alright, well, that's Toki Tori, too. So you, so you recommend it? it, it for, yeah, it's, for it's definitely worth checking. I mean, yeah. it also has that Nintendo-ish vibe to it. Yeah. Which yeah. we talked about last episode, about how great it is that a lot of these indie games fit with Nintendo. Like, yeah. Tokitori in particular. Like, yeah, that like game. Tokitori, Bit Trip, like, they just seem like... No. They make sense on a Nintendo platform. Yeah. Yeah, and the thing with Tokitori is, uh, the guys at Two Which Tribes... Which literally translates to Small Trick. Oh. It's Japanese. I didn't know that. But yeah, the guys at Two Tribes, uh, they've been working on this game forever. Like, not in a bad way. Like, they keep honing it and adding stuff, so it's really cool that they gave it that much attention. And if I remember correctly, they're going to be releasing a patch in the future, or an update in the future that'll have a level editor, and hopefully... They're aiming to do this. And you can potentially, if this pans out, share levels through Miiverse. Uh-huh. So that's, a, that you know, get the game now, play it now, then come back to it in six months. Might be motivation to do so. I'm, I'm, I'm intrigued some, about it I'm going to make some devilishly hard levels. I'm very intrigued about it now based on what you're saying. And I think, so I think that pretty much wraps up uh, this episode of the show. Yes? No? Maybe yeah, so? Yeah, I, would, I would say so, maybe. Yeah, all right. So just a few notes, as we always do. Uh, I encourage you, if you have not done been on the site in the last week, I wrote an article about a long-forgotten Nintendo handheld. We teased it last episode. The Pokemon Mini. It's this itty-bitty little Game Boy-esque thing that has cartridges. All Pokemon-themed games. Came out three days before the GameCube, but I bet you didn't know that happened. I didn't know it existed. Exactly. It's this neat little thing. It was only sold in New York uh, at the Pokemon Center store. And it's probably why. <laughs> it's this cool little thing. It didn't sell very well. It was dead within a year, but you know, it's a piece of Nintendo history, a piece of handheld gaming history. It's the Nintendo handheld that time just forgot. So if you're curious about it all, I did a write-up and have a bunch of photos of my Pokemon Mini running, not running, like playing games, not playing games, all that. So you can head over to Nintendo.com. The article is called Nintendo's Forgotten Handheld. Very creative. And uh, there's that. We're also going to, of course, in between... Or this episode, the next one, we're going to have an, another extra, as we always do, so stay tuned for that. I also want to mention, uh, be sure to tune in to our next episode on May 5th, because, besides the fact that it's Cinco de Mayo on my birthday, uh, <laughs> the main reason I'm saying it is because between now and then, Nintendo is having is releasing their yearly financials, having their investor meeting, and potentially having a damage control Nintendo Direct about the Wii U. Who knows? But it's going to be a big couple weeks for Nintendo, because they're basically saying, here's how the Wii U has officially done thus far. They've been careful to not reveal real numbers. All the sales numbers I've been given are leaks. Nintendo's been keeping it under wraps, but they have to tell investors how much they sold. The number will come out. Will they meet their goal? Will they not? We'll know. And we'll know what that means about the future. And I always got to say a lot of stuff to reassure people. We will let you so, know. Yes, yeah, so we will let you know how it goes in two weeks while we're full and out. I mean, the, the event is going to be you know, over and done by the time our episode rolls around. But we're going to have the full analysis of what it all means for the future and, you know... What, what the future of the Wii really will what be. What it means for me in particular. And what it means for Jose in particular, because you all care what, 
what matters in his life. Uh, but yeah, between now and then, as always, uh, I encourage you to subscribe. We encourage you to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. We encourage you to follow us on Tourette Round Town so you don't miss anything, be it Nintendo news or extras or episodes. Also, if you want a friend or follow us on Meverse, we love to hang out with you in Nintendo's little virtual world. So uh, you can find me at Jason R on Meverse, and you can find Jose at Wero. That's W E I R O underscore O. Uh, we actually just added our Meverse IDs and our 3DS friend codes to the Meet Jason and Meet Jose pages on the site. So quick access to those if you did not catch how I spelled those, or if you want to get our 3DS friend codes. Uh, likewise, on Twitter, I'm JSR7. You would have to let us know that you got a 3DS yeah, friend code. Yeah, if you got code. a 3DS friend code, tweet up. If you got our 3DS friend code and you want to send you back, send us a tweet. I'm JSR7. He's Wero, once again, W-E-I-R-O underscore O. Not zero. Not zero, it's an O. His brother always puts a zero. It's really fun. Anyway, inside joke, I guess. Anyway, point oh, being, uh, tweet us. Yeah, he's gonna tweet us. Um, tweet us individually if you want to friend us on 3DS and we can get your friend code and ours are on the site. So, yeah, like I said, definitely tune in May 5th. It's gonna be a big episode. We're gonna have all that news plus whatever we're playing. And, uh, yeah, we'll see you then.